I'll ask you again. How come no one has done Whitey Bolcher? He seems to be involved in every crime in the city, and yet the Bureau keeps saying he's clean. It's only when another agency has an informant that I hear maybe Whitey isn't so squeaky clean. Well, yeah, he's very careful. He doesn't use phones, that kind of stuff. And uh, Who did you say these other informants were? I didn't. A little brisk. A little brisk. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode. Of he just went right into it. I, <laughs> I like to, I like to surprise you every once in a while. You know. No. <laughs> yes, we are doing an outside pod. Today, the winter pod, and it's called the winter pod for sure because it is brisk for Florida. For Florida, we were just talking before we hit record that uh, it was. I had to do my route this morning. It was 28 degrees, and I came home and I checked the weather for up north where my cousin lives, and it's 32. I was like, "How is it four degrees warmer up in Norton, Massachusetts, than I was it is sort in Florida?" Of, I'm sort of like Eric. Like I remember going to basketball practice with the Christian school, and I would just go outside with my shorts on. Yeah. After. Well, when you're up there, it's a lot different. Like as long as my <laughs> Head and my top yeah. is warm. My yeah. legs always seem to be fine. I yeah. What movie is that when they were like, uh, keep your uh, keep your arms warm or something? The body will do the rest or something like mm, that. It was that's a good uh, question. Yeah, that's for a good the trivia. There. Trivia. Uh, damn. Oh, was it? Uh, no. Make yeah, some, I can picture them out by a fire. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm touching strange brew. Strange brew. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally strange, bro. <laughs> Take so, off yeah. your hoser. So, yeah, we've got some cold weather out, but we're outside. We're here to talk some true crime part two. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the X-Men pod. I mean, that's kind of more a, a pod that if you're into it, because mm-hmm. it, it got a crazy yeah. amount of uh, views that first week because... Because uh, it had the right... Because it has a like right genre, you know. But yeah. when you have Marvel movies, there are people that just want to hear it talk. You talk about Marvel movies and everything. So, and yeah, my girl just came back, so I've been on it. I have a uh, here. Let me give you my list. I, you know, uh, you I, know what I'm doing before you get to it. Sure. You know what I'm doing this afternoon? Uh oh. I'm watching an NFL football game what? at 3:40 in the afternoon. The Steelers Ravens are playing. Oh, is that when they're doing it? 3:40. Oh man, well I'm going to watch that too. I wanted to watch it the other night when it was playing, and I was talking to mom, and I well, was. Well, it, it went from Thanksgiving yeah. to oh, yeah. Sunday, Sunday to yep. Tuesday, and then Tuesday to yep, today. Sunday. And I, uh, I watched the Pats game, man. That was a good one was too. It? The uh, well, I like Cam Newton. No, he sucks. I liked him. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, no, I liked I'm him not, when he was with the Panthers. I'm not, but he is not good. I'm not going to say you, I'm not a Patriots fan, but oh, I'm a huge Patriots fan, but. Are, we're really sick right now, and uh, we need to rely on the running game because he's only has a year contract. I mean, he's just out there pulling whatever he well, can Well, I mean, he's, I think he's out there trying to get a second year. Yeah, well, he ain't going to get it. We got two, we got two good uh, quarterbacks we should be playing right now. Hoyle, Hoyle's awesome. That, our buddy Kenny loves him. But we're going to talk about some Patriots. Okay. But uh, when my, my girl left to go down to Thanksgiving, I, uh, it was officially became the winter of Paul. Movie wise, nope. so I I love when she's gone. I will watch movies that I have not seen before, oh. and I, I had like a list of. I them. thought you were gonna watch yeah. wintry movies. I was getting ready. Ravenous, no, that would have been Revenant good too. Would have to be on there. That, that might Revenant be. would be on there. Oh shit, man! Wintry movies that might be have Ice to be Harvest something, would be uh, on there. Something <laughs> since we don't we've kind of run the gambit for uh, Hateful for, Eight would uh, be on there for 
what Christmas movies. We can yeah. maybe we'll do winter movies this year. Uh, but in a couple of these we're going to be talking about soon. But uh, mm, I watched shiny. the uh, the Q, the Wing Serpent, which is like a that is a like really cheesy. Uh, <laughs> you don't <know, laughs> yeah yeah really cheesy eighties <laughs> movie. It's awesome. I watched Bill and Ted Face the Music, which was absolutely incredible. Was it so funny? Was it yeah really really good. I, I watched New Mutants, which me and Justin will be talking about next week. So I'm not going to get into that. I watched Eyes of Laura Mars with uh, with They Done Away, which was awesome. I watched Dog Soldiers, which is a one of the best. Uh, it's Southern Comfort with werewolves, in uh, British, and they're British out, they're out there without ammo, just like doing uh, rec, uh, like training exercises and everything, and they come across werewolves, and that's the whole thing, and it's it's awesome. And, without uh, weapons, uh, they had blanks. They were using blanks, and but then they came across real military, and they stole their weapons, so they had some weapons, and it it was crazy. It came out in two thousand two. I the was werewolves like, canoed. Is that how it all came yeah, out? Yeah, it all came out. <laughs> yeah, Brian James, the Cajun werewolf. Uh, Brian no, James. Uh, no, he is wasn't. He the, is he uh, Iceman? Yeah, the Iceman. But uh, I had never heard of it. I told my cousin, I, I said, like, have you heard of this Dog Soldiers? I said, this is one of the best werewolf movies I've ever seen. He's like, yeah, where you help? You've been, Mary. He's like, I got it in like three different mediums. <laughs> I was like, well, shit, then it's your fault I haven't seen it. Uh, I finally watched that Hostels with uh, Christian Bale. Uh, with uh, where he's transporting the Native American uh, West. Oh Sudi. yeah, yeah, yeah you I, saw, I it. saw it. I know. I remember okay. you talking about it on the pod. And I wrote it's a it slow down. one, but it's good. Uh, one of them I'm going to be talking about on here. I can reveal the name: Boston Strangler, 1968. And I finally watched John Wick too because I had a DVD for so long that didn't work uh, on my DVD player, so I had to give it to Justin. So I went back and finally bought one and uh, watched it. And it was absolutely incredible. That's the one everyone was like, "If you like the original, the uh, sequel will be even better." So, so yeah, that's what I had done along with watching uh, a shitload of wrestling and some uh, um, some football and everything. So, yeah, it was cool. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I had pot roast you had pot by roast? myself and hit golf balls all day. Yep, see, we would have hung if it uh, wasn't damn COVID. I made spaghetti sauce, uh, really great, like four vats of it that I uh, that I froze and made it with sausages. It was came out delicious. It's, so. uh, it's one of those things where, like, if you said that in some in certain circles of people, like, you spent Thanksgiving alone? I was like... Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I had one of the best Onion articles I had ever seen, like the Onion, you know, the Onion, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. as the parody. Or as Trump Thanks. calls it, real news. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It says, uh, it says, uh, kid, uh, uh, kid stays a thousand miles away from his family and smokes weed, drinks beer, and uh, eats, uh, eats Taco Bell and has the best Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> I said I have no problem, man. I, I'm very good at uh, occupying oh, myself man. and like doing little myself. things and like I would organizing get and stuff. After a week or so, <clears throat> yeah. But, That's uh, what it is. My my threshold is like a week. After a week, I'm like, all right, where's my girl? My girl needs to come back. But I organized all my DVDs. I did like I have to write my Christmas cards out. I watched a ton of the movies and movies she's not going to watch. So I was like, oh, yeah, this will work. But yeah, after a week, it gets kind of gets kind of lonely. So <laughs> hopefully everyone else out had kittens, a great man. one. Yeah, I had kittens. Get so I, I doesn't just, get that lonely. Yeah, I know. I'm always getting. Uh, harassed by a cat here and there but <clears throat> yeah we if if you haven't watched our true crimes part one you should go back and watch that it, it won't it's not contingent on you enjoying this one for sure but you're you might be <laughs> like why are they not talking about this true crime Chances we, are, we talked about it the last time so. and true crime is one thing the u.s has a lock on <laughs> yeah. we're really good at it they i don't know if you noticed if you listen really overseas yeah. we are very good at crime i think most of these happened uh all these happen, except for number eight. All these happen in the United States. So, <laughs> yep, uh, for sure, I think all uh, all these happen in the United States, except for number eight. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we mm-hmm. know what the hell we're doing, and we mix them up too. Yeah. It isn't just uh, 
one crime or the other. It's a yep. whole dozen discriminate. Crimes. There's a lot of uh, murder, rape, child molestation. These are yep, <laughs> done by women, done by men. Done you know, it women, doesn't. Oh, shout out. Uh, shout out to Elliot Page, if you heard uh, did. about Elliot Page. Uh, Alan Page, who had recently transitioned, uh, and I think it's fantastic. I, we, I wish I had known a week early because we talked uh, talked about him on um, the X-Men uh, pod because uh, he was in that. So Who, who did he play? Uh, he played, damn, oh, shit, shit, shit. Can't, I can't think of make uh, somebody the name because I wouldn't know it. <laughs> uh damn I, I if it wasn't a if it wasn't a brand name character no it was one of those uh it was one of those well, like people ancillary that characters the that uh <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the school yeah, yeah at the school <laughs> characters uh no big character but um but yeah hopefully uh he has a good uh he has a good transition and he's not going to be uh caught with a lot of strife which unfortunately in this country <laughs> don't check your twitter feed <laughs> that's the key to yeah. all of it man yeah. you know that's what joe rogan says and everything he he's like i post and i ghost he says that's the way to do it he says because if you're reading your comments yeah. you're in deep you're gonna, shit man i uh i do get fascinated with and this is <clears throat> 30 seconds for political stuff <laughs> <laughs> and the timer goes. go so <laughs> it's just been funny to watch the comments i always read fox news Owen and Newsmax just to see it, what the crazy people are. Oh yeah, it's are. good to do that. I, I, I want to <laughs> know what they're It's what I think, and usually. It's funny. They feel exactly the way I feel about yeah, things, but no. the mirror image yeah. of it. It's But I've noticed Fox News, the comments are are so much more harsh on the president than they were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they, it's, it takes a while to kind he's of... He's crying uh, himself in his little pillow. It, them, it's I'm like sure. those, uh, what is it, the, uh, the uh, what, three, four stages of grief and acceptance, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? There's like, seven. Is there seven? Is that what well, it is? Well, you probably yeah. just skip over a few, so... <laughs> he's, he takes a little longer to get there. Denial. <laughs> what? When the moving truck it. shows up. No, really? Damn, I didn't think this was going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> there was some other way I could work this, so... Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that shit, but... That'll <laughs> I'm be delusional, so I don't have to go through any yeah. of the stages i always think things I, are gonna i tell work you out. it's 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 completely on brand that's going to be a true crime movie coming in, in like another few years man i can't wait till all the movies they're going to come out with oh. about 2020 2020 is going to spawn some if you're serious listening, movies oh he's you, already right you got a responsibility <laughs> yeah. in this process he's but totally writing don't already you got, don't you dare <laughs> leave us hanging oh, yeah, coming man. out with something it's going to be interesting all right, so Cheney, that could have been a true crime one. The Vice? Vice. Yeah, Vice, man. <laughs> Vice is totally a true crime. I mean, you could really... Oh, I mean, we could do I 10 could... of these. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's a lot of these and everything. Half the but... movies in Hollywood are crime-related. Yeah, but we're going we're gonna to focus on 10 of them here. These are all great movies, man. I love all these movies. A lot of these I saw in the theater. Some of them I didn't. Some I had to go back yeah. and, uh, and watch when it was on DVD. Some, are, some have stuff that's hard to watch. Yep, some's a little dark. Some's it's... a lot of fun. You know, some's a lot of these are fun, fun as shit. Some are ridiculous. A couple of these were so ridiculous that they made them into comedies. I mean, those last two basically were comedies on this list here. Uh, because it was so outrageous, you had to make it as a comedy. Or just people would just well, be like, well, it's, this can't. It would almost, it's funny because when I think about number, uh, where is it, number nine. <laughs> when I think bad. about number nine, yeah. it's almost like the Coen brothers wrote it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like that yeah, yeah. one Jim one, what was the one? 
with uh, uh, Clooney and Malkovich and oh yeah, burn after reading. Brad Pitt, burn yeah, after it is reading. kind of burn after reading. Like, and I'm shit. Was that a true story? I wonder if that was no, a true story. No, probably not. Yeah, because that was a little crazy. But I, I bet there are certain things that happen that are similar to that. So, all right, say we get right into this, man. Go right in. Uh, number one, this was an amazing movie that I did not see in the theater that I had to watch later on that I had heard great things about. And this is, and w- we have a special connection just because we're from Massachusetts. Is uh, 2015's Black Mass. Black Mass. Now, wow. This was, uh, I know Baldwin. Johnny Depp is getting some shit right now, and maybe bleed deservedly so, I don't know. There's he's so, probably a tool, so but much... I guarantee she's bl- not blameless. Yeah, she, they're stuff. going through some weird thing with her and Amber Heard, and I've heard most people talking about how uh, it's mainly Amber Heard, but who knows? I mean, I'm sure I wasn't there. So. I wasn't there, so we'll, will... we'll have to go with... We'll... They're, both, <laughs> they're both celebrity pieces of crap. Well, yeah, well, one of them, I think they both got petitions off the movies yeah. that they were on to, to recast. Like, they recast... Uh, uh, Mads. Uh, that with Mads for yeah. uh, for that uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beast, Beast which <laughs> I think everyone's saying, "Damn, I wish it was Mads to begin with." <laughs> Why didn't you uh, put Mads yeah. uh, Nicholson to begin with? Because Mads is like one hundred times better of an actor than Johnny Depp. Sorry, Johnny, but Mads is one of the best ten best actors but ever, in my opinion. I I I I wouldn't say ten times better. Oh, I Johnny love Depp's done I like Johnny Depp, stuff, and that's the, but that just he, speaks he more turns volume. into a caricature sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I think that's the reason that I would put him. On, uh, but when he does like Donny Brasco, or he does oh, like this really movie, good. he rises above, and I think it's almost as if he's trying to remind everybody, hey. Yeah, I can. Well, I really I, can act. Certainly, with this, he was this, intense. In the th- this this, this was a good one to talk about. We're having this argument because with with Donny Brasco, you could have put anyone on that. You, you could. But have I liked him. In that I did. Role. I did like him in that role. But you could have easily thrown in, like him and Pacino uh, just worked great. Yeah, they did as work together. Mentor and mentee. Uh, but Black Mass, man, and it, a lot of the stuff with Black Mass. So this is the story of Whitey Bulger, who is basically like the Al Capone of Massachusetts. You know, it, and it, everyone um, loved him because yeah. he took care of the city. He, he and he was Irish. He yep. the Irish mob ruled a lot of Boston. Yeah, you know, the North End is all Italians, but Southie. You know, All South End, like close to where we lived, yeah. everything south of Boston and Braintree yeah. and Lowell and all those are all Southie. Yeah, and it was all, all rolled by uh, by Whitey Bulger, man. And, the, and he was, like Dave said, Johnny Depp was intense to the point where you, a lot of times when you're watching a Johnny Depp movie, you can't separate yourself from Johnny Depp. You're like, oh, it's Johnny yeah, Depp. Yeah, you could. But on this, I mean, they changed his eyes, they changed his look, mm-hmm. they changed his his cadence, yeah. and it was it was he very, had that very Joe good. Pesci f- when you first saw him. Yeah, yeah, that you were worried about. You were uh, worried about what you were going to say. What's interesting about this is I love the supporting cast in this. And before I get to that, that was it's interesting. I watched this like uh, like four or five days ago, and then I told you I watched that Hostels. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Hostels. I was like, man, there's a lot of people from Black Mass in this. Boom, same director. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! I was like, because it's all the same actors yeah. except for Johnny Depp. Because Rory Cochran and Jesse Plemons are two of my favorites in Black Mass. Uh, Jesse, Plemons, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons is amazing. If you don't Fargo, know who Jesse, he was in Fargo. Fargo was, season uh, two. Dunce was his uh, wife. Kristen in real life. In real life, yeah, they married oh, yeah. now too. Really, uh, nice. and uh, he is amazing. If you don't know who Jesse he's Plemons, awesome. is he's he's one of the best actors acting right now. Was he now. in Breaking Bad too? At uh, one point? Yeah, he was in Breaking Bad. He was the one that worked with them when they were doing they were, that. They were going to rob the, the well, train. No, yeah, but before that, when the they were uh, where they were the tenting bike, the bike or something, when they were tenting oh, the yeah, houses yeah, yeah, with the uh, like to do the insecticides type stuff. But uh, genius script move, on yeah, that. really great. <laughs> but uh, Rory Cochran, man, if you don't know who Rory Cochran, Rory Cochran is the main stoner from Days and Confused. Yeah, 
Uh, and he's also in uh, Empire Records. He's the one that blew the wad at the beginning, and they have to like save the store because he but went and he gambled away. Mike he's a goofy. He's a goofy he motherfucker. It, yeah. He gained a lot of weight. He gained a lot of weight, and he's intense, very thick. You could almost not know it was him. I knew way more about Wally Bulger. Going, I knew a ton about him going yeah. into this movie. Jimmy too. I guess apparently, if you call him Whitey, you're not going to be uh, dealt I, with. Yeah. But I guess they, he goes by Jimmy. It's funny. You and can when call him we, when we get ahead. to number five, <laughs> when we get to number five, I'll tell you what the connection between the uh, Black Mass and the Boston Strangler is. Oh, cool. Uh, Remind so me. yeah, so we so we got some incredible cast: Jesse Plemons, Rory Cochran. Uh, who, who else is in this? David Harbor, really, really good. Um, the only person I didn't much care for in this movie was the guy from uh, the remake of The Thing, and he was in that oh, yeah, Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel Egerton, yeah. he's all he's right, okay. but he he has a tendency to like. Uh, I'm not sure if he's overacting or if he's just doing that as a kind of uh, an acting <laughs> I like ploy. When, I like when the. The, uh, they had him over for dinner, and he was asking oh, him about the sauce. That's, that's the oh the steak marinade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a secret race it's recipe. A family recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it was so intense too, man. I just remember the dog racing be a big thing because we had dog racing. Mm. Remember, was it Lincoln? Taunton, Taunton had Taunton one. Had one. Yeah. We had a bunch of greyhound racing tracks yeah. around Massachusetts. They were big, and it was just an easy way for way the mob to make money and launder money and yep. fix stuff. And I mean, that's all like Vegas and uh, Atlantic yeah. City is anyways, so but I mean, we're we're going into this storyline where he is already like big time, mm-hmm. you know. And I love how we're uh the one of the my favorite scenes is where Jesse Plemons is working the door at a bar where Johnny yeah. Depp is yeah, inside yeah. and the guys like uh the guy's like, you can't come in. He, and the guy's like, what are you doing? You don't know who I am? He says, I don't care who you are. You're not coming in. He, and the guy's like, you better let me in. He says, hey, you were here a couple days ago, remember? You got drunk and you pissed at the bar? He's like, there's a there's a bar down the street. They'll let you shit on the floor if you want, but you ain't coming in here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they cut inside and they're talking to uh, Whitey. And they, they were like, we have an issue outside. And uh, Jesse Plemons is like, he's getting his ass kicked, but he's also beating the ass of like three different people. Yeah. And they take him aside and he says, you know, that's Whitey's like uh, cousin's husband or something like that. And he's like, how the fuck was I supposed to know? <laughs> and then uh, he calls he calls him the next day and they go in a uh, he He's driving a car. And yeah. for a while there, you think maybe he's going to get uh, taken out to be killed. I mean, I would, I, I would feel good second. at least driving because you know he's not going to shoot you while you're driving but there's not t- nothing to say that you don't get to this abandoned place and he's going to kill you there yeah. but they so they there's three people in the car whitey's in the back and then uh this other guy's in the passenger seat and then whitey starts when they get to this place whitey starts punching the hell from the back seat of this guy and i love jesse plemons who just is completely confused now he realized oh shit i'm not here to get killed i'm here to help him kill this guy and so he looks at whitey he looks at the other guy and then he just starts pummeling the other guy and until he gets out of the car Whitey has to stop him he's like all right that's enough and they just leave him for dead outside and that, that's how he like that's it how you get to know him. that's how it starts man but the crazy scene when he went out i think he flew out to nevada or somewhere yeah, to, because someone was reneging on the deal that they had. Killed him in the, the parking lot. Yeah, killed one, him yeah. in the parking lot oh. in broad daylight in the middle of the day. Yeah, and this was. I mean, a lot of what Whitey was doing was other people. But doing they didn't it, go know? too much into the the end story of Whitey. Yeah, yeah, they just right? kind of tacked it on because it came out like right when it was happening. I think. Yeah. I think in the. I think they may have gone back and refilmed just he, that. He went on the lam with his wife Bonnie. Yep, and they moved to what Hawaii or something. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, Bahamas maybe or something? No, it was on the West Coast or it was, it was in the Hawaii. Yeah. Was in Arizona or something. And just he, he got a different identity. Yep. He had cash in the walls of the house. 
and just lived a, a modest but you know, shouldn't have left line. the house. That was his big problem, you know, because he could have cut. You would never find me if I was uh, dipping, man. Go to a goddamn country that has no extradition. Yeah. I mean, if you, you got money. You go to <laughs> Idaho for a year and lay low, and then you move yeah. from there to a different country, and then uh, they'll probably never find you. No extradition type of deal. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from this movie is where uh, Rory Cochran, it, th- him and Whitey are waiting in a car. And they're picking some uh, some girl up who's played by Juno oh, Temple yeah, yeah. from the police station. And Whitey wants to know what he said to her. And before that, he's, he's saying, why are you uh, having sex with your, your stepdaughter? Basically, that's what it was. And he was... Uh, Rory's like, it's complicated. He's like, no, it's not. It's disgusting. Uh, and so Juno Temple, who's really good, uh, she was great in that Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. uh, and Gina Gershon. And she gets in the back seat, and she's she's talking to him, and she's... He's like, what did you tell them? He says, oh, I just told them they wanted to know about you and what you're into and everything. And I didn't tell them anything. I did good, right? I did good. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah, you did good. So we're going to set you up in a uh, we're going to set you up in an apartment uh, and then we'll take care of this. And they they bring her to an apartment. She was like, wow, this is no one's ever done this type of thing for me. I really appreciate what you're doing for me, Whitey and everything. And uh, then he just starts choking the hell out of her. Uh, Cold blooded in, in front man. of Corey, yeah, and, and uh, or Rory. Rory's wa- that's what watching. ended up getting bringing him down because he testified against. Yeah, he? yeah, he's sitting there watching and, her, and then makes her him get rid of the body. Yeah. He's like, "No, you take care of it. This is your fucking problem. You're the one who kind of brought this into this yeah. whole situation." So he was definitely a psychopath. Yeah. So uh, was there any other scenes that you uh, were? That was it, man. The Greyhound scene track was great. The, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, the, obviously the David Harbor stuff, but it got too. Remember, what was interesting about the situation was his uh, his brother. You know, a lot of people oh, don't know. His brother was a senator or a state senator? Yeah, he was yeah. a state senator and who really wanted to separate himself from yeah. Whitey. I mean, he was I doing mean, his own thing that. and everything. But the problem was is his brother, beautifully played by Benedict uh, Cumberbatch in the movie, and that's what Joel Egerton... Joel Egerton I mean, had known him since he was young, so he ended up going through his brother... And it it was I very mean, similar to the Departed. Is I was just going to say the Departed, the same Whitey yeah. Bulger story, yeah. sensationalized to get the FBI yeah, by Scorsese and everything. Because and I'm sure that the FBI, I'm sure Whitey Bulger was an informant. Oh yeah, well that was it's that like, was a major part of this because Joel Egerton worked for the FBI. His uh, his bosses were. Uh, it's easy to go Adam on the lam if you have them. somebody throwing you the heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that's why he didn't get caught. And that's even similar to, like, The Departed when they were like, of course he worked for the FBI. He says, how the fuck do you think I didn't get caught, yeah. <laughs> you know, doing this whole thing? And it wasn't work for the FBI. It was more like there was a guy from Southie that actually happened to work for the FBI, and he was like, all right, you throw me a bone here and there yeah. about my— Hey, my rival's getting ready to open a new operation yep. here. And, and that's what it was, too. Up. Remember, he, he ended up getting a bug in, mm-hmm. in his rival's, uh, like, uh, apartment or something mm-hmm. like that, and then they just spilled their guts about all the operations they were doing, and they just—they let off Joel Egerton for a little bit until they were like—, like you, If you want to get away with stuff, you got to do, like, uh, uh, what's that? The, the wire, the Russians when they went down by the water to yeah. talk. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, nobody was around. I think things were going good for the FBI with Joel Egerton and just be, he was. I mean, he deserved everything he got. You can't have somebody in the FBI working obviously close to the mob and tipping him off and taking out his enemies and everything like that. And remember, no one was going after Whitey. And then what's his name from? Uh, uh, you know the guy who played Hemingway in that uh, uh, Midnight. Yeah, uh, in Paris. At Midnight in Paris. Well, he was also in that House of Cards, and he played the uh, the Yellow Jacket in the Marvel Ant Man movie. He was bald. He has a mustache. Corey something. Yeah. 
And he came in as the new FBI guy, and he called Joel Egerton, and he says, so why aren't we looking at Whitey Bulger? And then Joel Egerton's like, oh, you don't want to do that, man. He's got a lot of pull around. He says, what the hell are you talking about? We don't want to do yeah. that. We're the FBI, and he's one of the, all these bodies are racking up because of him, and we're not going to go after him. And he says, yeah, well, he's a good, uh, he's been throwing us a bone here and there. And he says, yeah, we're going after him. And shortly after that, they realized, well, Joel is obviously I mean, compromised here, you know. So, I mean, it didn't didn't take a genius to kind of uh, connect those dots and everything. And so that's when everyone kind of went down, you know. Yep. Good movie. Yeah, really, really good movie. All right, this next one. Ah, this was a fun movie. Also, another movie had been done similar to it that told the same story, which was Boogie Nights. And this was 2003's Wonderland. I mean, that's what P.T. Anderson, Anderson really took Boogie Nights, and he was like, I'm going to tell a John Holmes story, but not actually kind of uh, call it John Holmes or, or call it the Wonderland killings yeah. and everything. But it was basically that, at least that portion of it, you know, uh, with the crime and with the, the whole uh, porn like, thing. It's almost like you couldn't write this stuff. So yeah. It almost has to happen in real life for you to even yeah. think about to it. To believe it. <laughs> so the guy, this was a fantastic, oh, fantastic movie. One of my favorite Val Kilmer movies. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorite, um, who's uh, uh, Katie uh, Holmes? No, Kate Bosworth. Kate, no. Yeah, Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. Was his girlfriend. Was his girlfriend. And uh, Dylan McDermott was really good. And, Josh uh, Lucas. Phoebe Cates. Uh, was the, no. His, not Phoebe Cates. Um, Christina Applegate was no. in it. I'm thinking. Of oh, you're thinking. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow plays his wife. She played she really his great in it. Josh Lucas, who I haven't seen forever. I don't oh, know what ever happened. He to Josh Lucas. had the crazy role. He was like the Whitey Bulger of this movie. You never know what was going to happen. Who's this? Josh Lucas? Yeah, yeah. He's the one with the antique he, guns, yeah, and he was he was nuts. Well, so was Dylan McDermott. He was he was crazy. And he had that thick beard, and he was the biker guy. Was it Bosnian? Uh, Eric Bosnian. Oh, Eric Bognosian. Bognosian. Man. Oh, Eric Bognosian. One of his fine, so good, finest. Man. Next to talk radio, maybe one of his. He's good in everything. He Uncut Gems. He's one of those actors that I don't think he acts. Much. I think I pulled him I, out and said, "That's him." Yeah. Before you realize who it was, I think I who wearing Uncut Gems. Yeah. No, I knew he was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I went into that knowing everything about it, and I'm, I'm a huge Bognosian fan because I watched talk radio way back in the day. That was great, Alvestone uh, flick right there. And uh, yeah, I don't think he does a whole lot of movies, but when he does it, man, he kills it. And he came in with an accent in this movie, and uh, yeah. so this is basically the story of John Holmes after he left the porn uh, kind of industry. So he, towards the end of his career, well, he wasn't doing anything in this movie. Yeah, they didn't show him do drugs. porn at all. It was like porn's over with. It's just him addicted to drugs and hanging out with the wrong crowd, yeah. basically. And that's what it is. You know, he he hung out and he was doing heroin with these. Uh, it was like a party all night, party all day oh, kind the, of situation. Dylan McDermott, he was jacked in this movie. He man. was jacked. And he had that big uh, biker, and, and it was told like it was non-linear. So, and uh, you know who was really great is the, our guy from um, Ted Levine. He played the cop oh, yeah, that was in yeah. more Ted Levine than you thought you were going to mm-hmm. see in it. And Ted Levine's like, so what happened is, and it was told like I said non-linear. So they show. Uh, a crime scene that kind of matched they were comparing it to like Manson. the Manson murder because yeah. it was insane so Wonderland is actually an, an avenue in like Hollywood yeah. West Hollywood or like something like the people were beaten like 90 times like, yeah with, with lead pipes they yeah, were like, like d- until there were just puddles on yeah there, there was no no like the skulls were completely broken up and everything and we do get to see that at bits and pieces and it was rough at the end it was not a whole lot of rough stuff but the end where they actually uh, showed Big Worm in their Faison Love who was really great in this movie too 
So basically, you've got this group of fuck ups, including John Holmes, just who just became uh, addicted to drugs. Party house. Yep, they would they, they would, would do drugs, do small and, crimes, and, and then the next day they'd wake up and they were like, "All right, where are we going to score? Where what are we going to sell to get more drugs and everything?" And then it it all came with the the John Holmes like, "Hey, you know, I buy." Uh, he was sort of like. He, he, they kept him like for a novelty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, was like, John, the, take your dick out and show, yeah, show the he girls was like at the party. The, he put a gun on it too. Remember yeah, yeah, yeah. His gun at yeah. him and holding. And the, the girl's like, can I touch it? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> not, not John Holmes saying that. Yeah, the guy, uh, Josh Lucas is saying. So, that. but he was a degenerate junkie with no money left. So he was just kind of like bringing some notoriety to the group. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kind of. Sp- Sponging off the rest of it, but them. he was the one that brought the. Yeah, uh, the, he knew. Where... So Eddie Nash was the, and I'm pretty sure that was his uh, his, his real name. name. Yeah. So Eddie Nash is a huge like uh, he was like a what record mogul or something like that. Is yeah. that what his it job was? Like was? Turkish or like yeah. Armenian. And so he he basically had the same thing going on, but at a house at a that hot... was a higher end. Yeah. And people could control them. But he also was like he had he people was over selling drugs, and he was. He was doing illegal shit, but too. very, and that's where you really get to see some of the connections with Boogie Nights, because in the same way that Alfred Molina was just walking around mm-hmm. wearing his robe and his yeah, underwear, yeah. doing blow and going crazy, that was, was that uh, Eric Bognosian. He was, and his his bodyguard was uh, Big Worm, uh, Phase on Love, and uh, they eventually came up with the idea that hey, we're gonna we're gonna rob him. He's got so much money, he's got so much uh, drugs that we just go in there, and and that was their deal, you know, rob money from people that can't go to cops, and uh, yeah. they just. But, they shot too high. <laughs> they went too high with this guy, and they had a group of fuck-ups that just like to brag about it. Yeah. Tim Blake Nelson's another great One person in this movie. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is, so they go and they, we talk about the robbery, they go and they rob this house, and it doesn't go as a planned, and it was really kind of chaotic. Yeah. And and Holmes and wasn't there. Holmes went in Holmes to buy drugs, and his only job was to leave the kitchen door unlocked. Yeah. yeah that was his only job. Yeah. And... I mean, you you could easily see that it was. And this isn't the Wonderland uh, massacre that happened at uh, Eddie Nash's house. It it was the retaliation. Retaliation was the massacre. Yeah, nobody got killed in this robbery. They shot Faison, I think. Yeah, they clipped him in the arm. Uh, Um, But obviously, they knew Holmes was involved. But I love when they went back to the house and they were, they. They did that montage where they were showing the different drugs and, yeah. and stuff they got and how much it was worth. Well, they were also told it from two different point of views. You're you're seeing it from the point of view of Dylan McDermott telling the cops how it yeah. happened, mm-hmm. and then it was John Holmes telling uh, his lawyer that really uh, M.C. Ganey yeah, played yeah, his uh, yeah. lawyer, and he came in and they they wired him and they had him talk about it, and it was very similar, but it, obviously it didn't implicate John Holmes yeah. in the way it oh. happened, <laughs> and it made Dylan McDermott look more like a, a, a psychopath than obviously Dylan McDermott sold himself as and uh, Dylan McDermott's only connection to it was that his his girlfriend uh, was slaughtered uh, there the girl from another day in paradise she yeah. was really good but there was a couple of minor actresses like Tim Blake Nelson played the owner of the house yep. at Wonderland and his girlfriend was Janine Garofalo who yeah, was yeah, yeah. very small also Christina Applegate they 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 kept her in the shadows a lot she played uh, the girlfriend of Josh Lucas and they only she was only on screen like maybe seven or eight times and she didn't want to get addicted to heroin and she ended up becoming a junkie and she ended up being that passed out girl on the couch half the time so yeah after they committed the crime they came back and they were like uh they got everything you know i think they added up on screen that was like 1.2 million dollars but uh they were just bragging it was like not even an issue don't you leave town at that point yeah it's like who 
Nobody got hurt. We knew who this was going to be, and then John Holmes stupidly. I can understand. I, I can understand his his thinking where he was like, "Well, I got to go back over there. They think I'm going to be a yeah, part of this." If that I, did, I gave if I up. went over there, then they're going to know that I wasn't, or yeah. they're going to think I wasn't. But the second he walked in, yeah. they like clocked him, and mm-hmm. we were like, "You knew you were part of this, and you're going to help uh, everyone make this right. And you're going to get us him into that house, be a part of it." Yeah, like literally. Yeah, literally. They weren't. They knew I that Holmes was that, there. I don't know if he was ever. Was he? He died before he got charged, right? Uh, he died. Yeah, he died of AIDS in like '88. So it was. He did. He didn't go to prison for this. I don't think they could co- completely connect him. They thought he was in the house when it happened, but they couldn't connect him with the. Well, he uh, wasn't at the crime scene, and he wasn't at Wonderland, and it, so they knew. But he, he had been his there. His prints a were always. Times. Yeah, he was prints were always there. But they they were talking about there was a palm print on, on like blood. the bed rail, right where like Dylan McDermott, not yeah. not Dylan McDermott, like Josh Lucas, his head Wear was bashed in. Your maskers. Yeah, I know. I mean, so, uh, but that was a tough scene to watch when they when Faison yeah. brings mm-hmm. him in and he in in the in the like movie trying to get it break him down by this was the the liberty that I think the director took because we were never sure in real life if Holmes actually swung or had a part of this, and in the movie they made it seem like they forced him to actually take part in the yeah. massacre himself which could very well have happened I mean, but th- would... there's a scene where they put the lead pipe in, in his hand and Faison's like get him get him get that motherfucker and he's bashing the guy's head in, and it's like wow this is difficult to watch yeah. and it was it's an interesting story like if you're a fan of Boogie Nights and specifically that it's last fun. third <laughs> that last third of uh, Boogie Nights yeah. runs when they became complete addicts because literally the uh, Boogie Nights told the entire story of John Holmes, how he how he was young, he got big, the yeah. entire porn mm-hmm. industry, how he got addicted. This was basically jumping in right when he was already addicted and uh, right already when he started affiliated. his music career. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> motor. <laughs> That's an MP, not a YP. <laughs> I don't know these indie, these industry terms. Uh, yeah, Wonderland's one of those movies that came out, and I don't think a lot of people had seen it or heard about it. So if you're into true crime, yep. for sure, and if you were a fan, like I said, of that last third of Boogie Nights, yep. this whole movie's dealing with that last third. Let's go to this hap- This next one is the, one of the funnier ones. Yeah. <laughs> he, he says that in jest, because this <laughs> one is a really bad one, man. Oh. But it was an enjoyable movie. I saw it three times in the theater, because really? I was just so amazed by it and I wanted I ended up taking my friend Carrie to it and then I went and saw it with somebody else. You don't else. think this would trigger certain people? Oh yeah well I, you can't go to everyone. <laughs> A lot of these movies you can't just show to anybody too but this was 1999's Boys Don't Cry. And Do you remember what year the the real story happened? Was it it the wasn't long 80s? before there was like 87 maybe okay. around that time and yeah. this actually got the first Oscar for Hilary Swank mm-hmm. so if you're not affili- uh, familiar with this story this is the story of Tina Brandon who was um, transgender? She was transgender. Uh, she had not he fully trans. trans- uh, she uh, he had not fully transitioned, but he was uh, going as a uh, as a guy, and uh, had been obviously born as a, a girl. And this was around the time and in Nebraska, which not you, you got to be very careful when you're doing this type of thing. I mean, this was around the this was before the Matthew Sweet type thing, but there was a yeah. uh, there was potential violence towards uh, transgender. I mean, there's gay a lot, people. The violent yeah. crime per capita is for the transgender community. Oh yeah, high. No, it's it's huge, and I would imagine with rednecks in Nebraska in like the uh, mid '80s is probably not yeah. good. I they, mean, her brother th- kept trying to, his brother, kept yeah, trying to tell him, yeah, no cousin, 
Was it his cousin? Yeah, it was cousin. Okay. His cousin uh, kept saying, you, you, you're you going to get in trouble. You need to get back. And uh, she was in a lot of trouble anyways uh, with the law and everything. So uh, so he had uh, completely taken the persona of, uh, of uh, Brandon and moved to Nebraska, just hung out with a bunch of people. Great cast. We have uh, Peter Skarsgård, who was also good in Black Mass. We hadn't mentioned he was the psychotic guy in Black Mass that killed his, his drug dealer at the Chinese restaurant and everything. And they, they paid off when they were uh, because he had overheard something and ended up kind of jumping back and biting him in the ass. That's kind of how they got Whitey. So uh, we've been, like, fans of Peter Skarsgård forever, oh, man. man. I, I, I love him, man. Center, Center of the of World. The world. Uh, Shattered Glass. Shattered Glass. Oh, Shattered so good. Glass in, this. In, in this, this might have been the first time I saw him, and he was really good in this. There was there was a... That was what was difficult about this movie. It was only difficult towards the end. You know, it was kind of an enjoyable party was, kind of yeah. house, hangout-type movie type of thing. Like... Um, just when Brandon got there and ended up meeting uh, Becky from uh, Roseanne, who, who's amazing. She's really great in the Connors remake that they brought her back. I, I think she's a fabulous actor. So you've got her. What's the girl from Kids name? Chloe Savini. Uh, Chloe Savini, who uh, has made some interesting choices. If you've seen Brown Bunny, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she could get convinced into anything. Uh, but she was amazing she, in this movie. She too. loves her art. <laughs> yeah, she loves her art. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'll go with that. She could be convinced in anything. <laughs> yeah. So what she's doing is they just she um, Brandon shows up in a bar and just connects with the Becky character, and then uh, the Becky character. I wish I knew her name. I don't. And she uh, brings her home to their kind of small clique, and they hung out. And kind of it's, it's, yeah, a bunch of degenerates. It was uh, it was the Chloe, it was Peter Skarsgård and it was their crazy friend who was also in Empire Records. He was the one that was the shoplifter in Empire Records. Yeah. He just, he always played a madman kind of psychopath. And uh, they just drank and got uh, fucked up and then but Brandon started to become really close to Chloe to the point where they were having, almost, they were, were having like a kind of relationship but uh, w- was uh, keeping from it going all the way because she hadn't fully transitioned yet so yeah. he, he was he, they were making out but wouldn't let her uh, go below the waist because obviously was convinced that she'd find anything but then eventually she did she and she just had like a dildo down there so this uh, Chloe really believed that she was uh, like a, a, a guy and she didn't care when she found out. I don't really. think she really cared the, the problem was was Peter Skarsgård used to date Chloe so I think he was like already scorned through the whole yeah. thing I think but he was just put him over the top yeah I think he was fine with it knowing that uh, that Brandon was a guy who was like all right, just just remember, I I had her first and everything, and we can all be cool and everything. But when the rumors started flying, because that's what happened, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon eventually got eventually Brandon got picked up as Tina, and they like threw her uh, threw him in like the the women's prison in the holding cell. Yeah. Remember when Chloe went to visit? Mm-hmm. He says, "Why do they have you in the women's cell?" And they were like, "Oh, they're all confused here. They don't know what the hell's going on." Uh, I mean, he had committed to this that he had to like uh, completely kind of play it out and everything. But the last. Uh, the last probably half hour of this movie is a difficult one, man. Very difficult uh, to watch. It was and, one of those. It's one of those scenes that that when people get shot in those type of situations, you imagine that that's how it went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't. Oh, there wasn't a whole lot of lead up to it. Nope. 
it just was like crime of passion almost and where it just happened they shot immediately. the Becky character. Yeah, that kid. was that was the most uh like, it, why did they even do that? It, it was like, it's I interesting could... because you would you would imagine obviously the rape scene because the Peter Skarsgård and the other character I fast forwarded uh, it the last yeah, time. Yeah, you I can saw fast forward it and everything. You know what's happening. You, you know what's happening and it's a difficult one, but you think that's the most difficult scene and, and it was very difficult, but the scene where they killed Becky, man, they come in after they rape her. She, uh, Tina didn't leave. She came back to the house. Uh, uh and uh, when he came back to the house, uh, Peter Skarsgård and his buddy uh, came in, and yeah, they shot Becky in the head. And there's a there's a difficult scene where she's laying on the ground, and the toddler is just walking around her and yeah. everything. And you're like, oh my god, this is so horrible, man. Yep. But it's a it's a true crime, and it was a great that this actually got out there. And I I thought it was very important that people saw this and knew about this story because I had no idea when I saw it. That was anytime I saw like a a difficult or a fucked up movie. Like when I saw Requiem for a Dream, I couldn't take enough people when to I see, see it. a Lodge Von Trier movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I see. I, I I've changed now. Back then, I used to love showing people fucked up movies. I was like, gotta see this movie, man. About now now you got to really be careful then about it. Like, Wow, Lars von Trier is a little more interesting because that will that'll leave an impression on people. Uh, I I think like uh, the House of Jack built's a little different. That that's a lot more palatable than uh, Antichrist. Like I said, there's a level of mm-hmm. what you can deal with and what you can't with those types of movies. But uh, Boys Don't Cry was fabulous, man. It was a really great. Uh, it was done really with a lot of care to tell the story of somebody that needed to be told, you know. And it put Hillary on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, she had done like random episodes yeah. of like nine hundred two one zero, and then from this, she Karate went, Kid was she Karate? She was Karate Kid. She was Karate Kid Part two. Three, Three, uh, Three, I think, or it was when the next Karate Oka- Kid. No, I think it was Okinawa. the next Karate Kid. So the fourth one, technically. So, yeah, ch- check it out if you want to see some early Hillary Swank where she was just killing it, and she's still killing it. Yeah. But uh, I mean, she was really good in it. Uh, this next one is Ooh, the, this is was a Wild wild Street re- the Teen Wolf and Wall Street remake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is 2013's, and a lot of this, I, I kind of turned me I'd watch off. That movie, though. Uh, I, I've, I've kind of had to go back and rewatch this movie because at first I thought it was going to be absolutely phenomenal. It was a Martin Scorsese movie. We're talking about 2013's The Wolf of Wall Street. I loved it, but the first time I watched it, I was like, it's almost too much. It's almost too much. How much is going on in when this they were movie? They're throwing little people on the sticky boards. It was crazy. I didn't like the fact that this was actually going on. So this is the true story of Jordan Belfort. Yeah. And there's a lot of great real life stories you can tell about Jordan Belfort. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Jordan? I mean, he was. I think he originally was trying. He was trying to be a legitimate trader. Yeah. At a reputable com- yeah. company. He was. He was in the program, and I've applied to the to the. You have to get your broker's license. Yeah. To be able to trade stocks, I can trade as an individual investor online, but I have to go through a broker. Yeah. So I use a broker platform, mm-hmm. and when I I have to put my numbers in, then a broker looks it over and makes a trade for yeah. me. But if you have your broker's license, you can you get a lot more immediate and quick. Yeah. So he was like trying to make. He was very money. driven. He was very, very driven. driven. But then I think the uh, eighty-seven Black o- yeah. October, right? Yeah, and he got laid off, and because they showed the scene with him and McConaughey, McConaughey's trying to tell him how things going on, and McConaughey's like doing coke and everything. And he's like, "You, you really got high during this uh, kind of trading and everything," and the, and it kind of it's threw like, him it into like a, a life. It was like a, a boys' club, like almost boys' club, like boiler room style. Yep. But then he ended up having to work for a small thing, and remember yeah. when he went in there and he just blew their mind to how good he was, yeah. to the point where he was like, "Well, I'm going to start my own thing, and I'm going to like poach these guys in yeah. here, uh, Ethan." Suffolk 
Shupley was one of them. Yeah. A bunch of different uh, uh, characters. It's basically were there. grifting. Yeah, it's penny stock trading. Which penny stock trading? I I did a lot of uh, speculative stuff in the early 2012, 2013, yeah. and lost money and made money, but I overall lost money. Basically, these are stock prices that are like a dollar yeah. or something. So when it moves four cents or. Fourteen cents—that's a huge move in one day. For oh, yeah. stock to move fourteen percent, most people make six to eight percent in interest a year on their mm-hmm. stuff. You can make that in two hours. Yeah, and people take advantage of it. They try to—they did what's called a pump and dump. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, know yeah. if you know that scheme. I've heard the term. It's basically, you—I I sell you a worthless. That had to do with prostitutes. No, okay. <laughs> I sell. I talk up a worthless stock mm-hmm. so that to get you to buy it. But what I'm—I know it's a piece of dog shit yeah, yeah. so i'm actually betting against it going down n- while i'm selling it to you that it's going to go up yeah, yeah. and it, yeah it's, it's shady. scum scumbag shit yeah and i mean that is kind of the premise of this but the the real premise is what these guys did once they had oh all the this money. debauchery it, it was unbelievable like, amount of debauchery he uh i love the stuff with jonah you couldn't Hill. get away with any of any inkling of any of that and, stuff and from what i hear it it is almost exact i've heard several podcasts with the real jordan belfort and the hayward's like it was exactly <laughs> like that it was exactly is he like out that. Out of jail now. Uh, well, I'll tell you some. Once we get through this, I want to okay. tell you some interesting true life stories about him. But uh, the Jonah Hill stuff. I, I love the intro with Jonah Hill, great. where Jonah Hill sees his car up front, yeah. he, and, and uh, obviously, I, I, we didn't even mention that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays oh, Jordan, yeah. Jordan Belfort, and his wife is Margot Robbie before she got huge yeah. and played Harley Quinn, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and start a whole shitload of uh, really famous people. But uh, Jonah Hill really went next level. He had like this uh, he fake teeth that he put in to play the role, and he meets him at a diner, and and he just comes up to him. He sees him come. He sees the car he's driving. He's like, man. He says, is that your car up front? He says, how much do you make? How much did you... He's like very brazen <laughs> asking him this. And he's like, well, I made like five grand this month. He's like, you made five grand this month? Or no, it was something crazy. It was like 20 grand or something like that. And he's like, "You, if you could show me a... Uh, a, uh, a paycheck stub of that that's what you made I'll quit my job right now and come work for you and he did it and then they went out to the payphone and he said yeah I fucking quit and he said I'm working <laughs> for this guy now and then they just became best friends yep. and just were part of this whole debauchery together man can't give people everything they want all the time yep. or they just explode and you can't say fuck you to the government no. uh, and that's where the uh, what's the character from Friday Night Lights came in uh, he's really yeah. good uh, he was also in Super 8 Yeah. damn I can't remember his name but he was really good. He played the he's FBI. He's the Josh uh, of t- cable TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's really big. He's a, he's a lot bigger. He's been in Spielberg's and, uh, movies and stuff. And uh, I, I love him, too. And he was the, if remember, he showed he up at the yacht. yacht. Yeah. He showed up at the yacht. It's almost like we wanted to confess to him, though. I, like, I know. It's crazy. They they were so brazen about what we're doing. The, uh, the John Bernthal character, who played the uh, the kind of the uh, the Italian kind of uh, hitman type character that was part of him. He ended up becoming the Punisher. But he was the one that uh, put his girlfriend up to be able to have money strapped to her, to her body. And remember, uh, Leonardo was going to uh, Margot Roby's aunt, who lived in Switzerland, yeah. and, and hooked her family up to like bring money taped to their bodies or in suitcases so they can transfer. Yeah, there was did, so much money they didn't know what they had. Well, to they do were with trying it. to launder it from the government. Yeah, so and they, they were, couldn't seize it. They had so much money they didn't even know what to do with it. Man, it was just so much crazy. It reminds me of like Pablo Escobar. They showed him burying stuff yeah. in the desert and making maps. Oh, I mean, not desert in the jungle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was a level of the drug use in this movie, like the scene where uh, there was a crazy 
crazy scene that everyone remembers with him and Jonah Hill where they took these crazy pills and they didn't kick in. And so they took more of them and they didn't kick in. They took more of them. And all of a sudden, uh, remember, he he got really fucked up, but he he didn't want to use the phone. His lawyer said, don't use the phone. Call me from an outside line. So he... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes to the country club in his like Lamborghini and he's talking on the phone and as he's talking on the phone his his speech starts slurring and and the lawyer's like what the hell's wrong with you I can't understand what you're saying and apparently all the drugs just kicked in at that point and he couldn't even speak and he ended up uh he tried to call his uh Margot Robbie and he's he's like Donnie's here who's played by Jonah Hill and he, he was like he's on the phone with so and so and Leonardo DiCaprio is just trying to tell him Get him off the phone. Don't let him talk on the phone. So he has to drag himself down the stairs and get in his Lamborghini and then uh, and then drive back to his house. And there's, like, this all-out, like, fight when these guys are, like, fucked up, fucked up. Like, you've never seen anyone as fucked up as these guys were. And it, it was just hilarious to watch that this was – is this really a true story going on here? Yep. Uh, some of the insights on the real stuff, I heard um, Jordan Belfort do a uh, podcast with Joey Diaz. Revealed a bunch of stuff that I had no clue of. When Jordan was arrested, he was eventually arrested, had to go to prison. And very similar to the Catch Me If You Can, he uh, got out and he became like... Helped catch he, he security became, in exchange yep, fraud. Yep, and he, he became like legit, you know? I mean, I mean he wrote books. He, he, while he was in yeah. prison, he wrote Wolf of Wall Street, this like, book. If you're a hacker right now, you're but not going to... in prison, he was his cellmate was Tommy Chong. I mean, yeah. come on. And the, the fact that they didn't even reveal that in the movie was crazy. And... Uh, he, he's, t- he's talking about, yeah, Tommy's the one who got me writing the book. He's like, hey, you, you tell these stories, you should write this. And so we have Tommy Chong to thank for the whole Wolf of Wall Street yeah, being thanks, written and Tommy. everything. Thank you, Tommy. <laughs> uh, another <laughs> one of the, to your CBD. Another great thing <laughs> is he became completely sober. He says, I, I hadn't, he was on Joey, and he, he's I mean, like, I hadn't done. have to, right? Yeah, he's like, I hadn't done anything in 20 years. And they start talking about Quaaludes. So he says, Quaaludes aren't around anymore. He's, he's like, they completely got rid of them. He says, you hear stories about somebody. Cool. Uh, you, you hear stories about somebody that stashed them back in the uh, 70s, in the early 80s, in, the, in like a safe, and maybe they're there or something. And he told him, he says, I haven't done drugs in 20 years, Joey. He says, but if you, had a, if you have a Quaalude, I'd do it right now. He says, I, I can't help but do it. I have to do it right now. If you bust one out right on this podcast, I will put it in my mouth and I will do it. And I am completely sober for 20 years and I'll still do it. He says, that's how powerful those things are. <laughs> he says, that's insane. <laughs> it's crazy to, uh, to hear him even say that. So it was, it was a wild, wild story, man, and brilliantly played. I mean, Scorsese, man. So. crazy. You take a What's that? I can't imagine wanting to be fucked up the way Quaaludes make people fucked up yeah i don't well in this movie they were hitting the face with a shovel 15 times but you don't remember i don't know i've never obviously done them but i i I don't think it's as bad as if you just do one you know it's a tranquilizer but it's not like unless you do shitloads of them or you in this movie they were like i mean they were doing bumps of coke and then they were doing acid and they were doing uh quaaludes and they were like it was all about like how many you could do and just overindulgence on them too so joey diaz used to Used to take one and drink a uh, little and brow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He does. A no, he talks about a lot of his stuff. Quaaludes specifically at fourteen. Him and his friends. Yeah. The pills were two dollars a piece, and it was three dollars 
for the loan brow. Yeah. So at five bucks, they could get completely fucked up every night. Coke was his big problem. Yeah. He, he got really bad on Coke, and now he's just all he'll do is uh, is is marijuana, which his, he doesn't uh, consider a drug. His testicle t- testaments, if you haven't heard him before, testicle? What? <laughs> he he does. He, it's his answer to the Magana oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, 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 monologues. Yeah, yeah. I listened. To, he's got seven hundred and eighty pods out yeah, for his podcast, and he's just. He, he, it was called the Church was his podcast, and he yeah, just the Church of what's happening now. And, but now it's the Joint. If you've heard any of his new stuff, I haven't uh, heard new stuff. It's called the Joint, and he's in Jersey now, and he's doing it. And it's the same thing. It's a lot of some of the more interesting ones are when he doesn't even have a guest, and he's just talking just about life, on... and he, he's very upbeat. And he, he's every morning on Twitter, he, he says uh, it's a jungle out there. You know, wash your balls and go out there and make it happen, type of thing. <laughs> uh, but I'm listening to like one of the old episodes of the Church right now, where he's talking to uh, Frank Caliendo, and they're oh, just yeah. talking about comedy and different things and uh, he's a funny guy too man so uh yeah jordan belfort man either read wolf of wall street or watch the movie because i mean if you're a scorsese fan you you know what you're into i mean it's like it's like goodfellas on crack where Mm -hmm. they weren't killing people but they were just it was all the drug and uh, the fucked up side of it all right this next one 1968 this is the oldest one on this uh particular story the Boston Strangler, brilliantly played by Tony Curtis. One of the best Tony, and I'm a huge Tony Curtis fan, one of my five, top five now, favorite I'll movies. Now, I'll warn you ahead of time, because you might not know the complete story. Oh, probably not. But the, the it, a lot of that was heavily, not heavily fictionalized, yeah. but like, I'll, well, I'll talk about it as you go on, because right. it's... It's definitely Well, like I was saying, I, I love uh, one of my top five favorite movies of all time was The Sweet Smell of Success with Tony yeah. Curtis, and I loved him in it. He's him good. and Burt Lancaster were amazing. But he, he's done a lot of stuff where it was like, eh, yeah, he's all right in this. This one, he they like redid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put applications on his face to make his nose and his yeah, facial yeah. structure look a little different. And it was like the classic somebody is going around and breaking into houses in Boston and at first it was just old people you know and, and they were super concerned who's breaking into these old people's houses some of them are being raped some of them aren't some of them being raped with like uh, like the first victim was being raped with like a uh, with like a wine bottle mm-hmm. and, and everything and people were starting to get concerned like who is doing this we need to round up the group of like uh of uh, degenerates you know is what they called it and they just did like a wide range of bringing in pedophiles bringing in like uh sexual <laughs> deviants and everything in a boston yeah yeah good luck of that boston has no shortage of Shake that. that tree <laughs> that's a big tree with lots of acorns it is you a tree you got to get yourself it, an umbrella and it turned into nothing because there was uh there was a BTK element to it where mm-hmm. he was just a a family man. He had two daughters. He had a yeah. wife. He he worked like odd jobs for uh, for apartment complexes and everything. And so they were looking in the completely the wrong place. Mm-hmm. They and then he changed his mo. He started going to younger girls. Yeah. He started to do seventeen year olds. And he he got obviously he got sloppy. And this was also a time period where he could pull this type of crime and not worry about cameras, not worried about all the stuff. You could not get away with it these days. So he went on trial for what was called the Greenman murder, uh, rapes. Mm-hmm. So he was never convicted yeah. of the Boston Strangler murders. Yeah. And the prevailing thought is, and they've recently confirmed one of the elements of it, the last victim they in 2013 they um, exhumed her body, or exhumed his body, because they finally could test the DNA. They, you know how they've been coming oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah. So they Old case. T- so they tested his nephew. Oh, that's awesome. And she, in fact, was killed by him. But th- psychologists and psycho 
um, and cops that are analyze all this psychotherapist yeah. and they don't think they think that this Boston Strangle was like two or three people. There's too many yeah. mo's. There was too many different. They were doing upscale neighborhoods and lower class neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They were doing young girls and they were doing older girls. Usually a predator like this. So they couldn't. Could, they within, couldn't. They weren't completely convinced that it was one person. They only have him on the last murder that they attributed yeah. to the Boston Strangle, but they think that they just put that. It just loosely yeah. fits, so they really think that someone got away with it, or yeah. several people. Well, in in the movie too, he had gotten he started getting really brazen with it. He he ended up uh, he watched this girl go into an apartment, so he went upstairs. He opened the door, and right when he opened the door, he had uh, uh, that was the husband was there, not realizing there was somebody yeah. else in the door. So he he took off and he started That's running. Definitely a BTK style. Yeah, and he he took off running, and this guy chased him down, and then he ended up getting hit by a car while he was being chased, and it just happened to be cops there, and they grabbed him and they snatched him, but they thought he was schizophrenic at first. They mm-hmm. thought he really had a split personality, and uh, the, literally the last half hour of the movie is just him, and Henry Fonda is the uh, the cop that's chasing him, and it's him and Henry Fonda in the room. I'll have to watch this, because it, I like It's Henry really Fonda. good. I'll let you borrow it. And it's a lot of it is him blocking out these things that he had done and he's coming to terms with them so the more henry fonda's get him gets him to talking about it the more and we're seeing it with the uh in like flashes in his mind like he's in that white room and he's talking about things and all of a sudden he sees him with the uh with the rope as he's strangling him with where he's opening drawers and he's stealing stuff in it so it's all kind of coming back to him who knows if that was the real case uh if if it happened or not and they had also brought in several people that they were convinced uh had done it you know uh they had so many suspects and everything so it was probably a a good thing when they when they finally got this guy off the streets but they brought him right to like a mental institute you know and that's where he stayed i think until they had some concrete stuff i think it was quite a while before that happened it didn't even deal with the trial the uh, the movie it just like an hour and a half of it was the crimes and him doing them and getting away with it, and then the last half hour is just him and Henry Fonda talking in like the the institute. Mm-hmm. So it didn't de- deal with that at all. I, I think it did in the credit in the credit sequence. They they talked about uh, can wrap a lot of stuff up in the credits. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the beauty of film <laughs> where you can just talk about it and then do whatever, man. But uh, like they did, wh- the boys don't cry. After that, they yeah, talked, they they talked about they, it too. They did the rolling. What I noticed a lot about the Boston Strangle what made it interesting is uh, the editing. They did a lot of stuff in split screens, like a lot of split screen stuff. What year did this come out? Uh, 68. 68. It was very uh, artsy done. Like they would, you'd have one girl on the phone and then it was a split screen, but they kept the second half of the screen completely black for like a good two minutes and all of a sudden it would fade into an image and you realize that he was outside the door coming Mm -hmm. in and everything. One of his particular crimes, and this was kind of his MO of how he did it, is he would show up to this woman's apartment and this is one of the ones they showed and he was like, oh, your super called me, wanted me to look at your bathroom. You had put a work order in and everything and she's like, and it was during the uh, the Kennedy assassination during the parade, like his funeral. And they were like, you're going to do this today? And he says, yeah, well, I had some time. I figured I, I can come back on Sunday, though, if you want. And he starts walking away. And she's like, no, I kind of want to get it looked at. And he comes into the bathroom, and he's, and he's he looks down. And he's like, yeah, I can see you got water leaking down there. Do you see that? And then she comes down and bends down, and all of a sudden, boom. And he grabs her so quick that it was like almost a muscle reaction. And he's holding her mouth, and then 
you get to the it was really well done by Tony Curtis where he was like, well, shit, I got her now. Now I have to go through with it. You know, I've made that move. I can't walk out of here now and uh, and just forget uh, and let her think yeah. uh, and, and just kind of walk away from this. So I'm going to have to kill her and just strangle her sort of man. And like I said, his M.O. was all over the place. So who knows? Could have been yep. separate killings or it could have been just him just not having that particular M.O. other than wanting to choke people. So it was crazy. Yeah, if you're a Tony Curtis fan, this was one of those ones that you don't get to see Tony Curtis play a psychotic killer. And a lot of people don't think that he could even pull it off. He does. I mean, he's a comedic guy. I mean, I think of him when I think of him, I think of Operation Petticoat. And I uh, think of, uh, obviously, Some Like It Hot and all the different uh, flicks that uh, Tony Curtis has. And obviously, Sweet Smell of Success. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen that, ooh, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Really, really <clears throat> great. Uh, all right. Another <clears throat> difficult one here. That Great indie movie, though. What's that? This next one? Yeah. Yeah. So 2003, number six, 2003's Elephant. Very difficult. One of those movies that. There wasn't a lot of famous people in this movie. No, no famous people. That was awesome. I don't think there was any. And this was Gus Van Zandt, who who is no stranger to doing like weird independent films. Mm -hmm. If you've ever seen Jerry, you know what I'm talking about. It starred two people lost in the desert. And most people, that's just. (laughs) <laughs> There's no dialogue, hardly at all. Most people are like, I wish those two would get lost in the desert for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least one of them. Yeah, at least one of them. <laughs> uh, and it was, I liked it. I always liked Gus Van Zandt. Gus Van Zandt did uh, Drugstore Cowboy. He did My Own Private Idaho. Uh, to Die For was a great one with uh, Gus Van Zandt did. And then there was Elephant Man, and if you're Elephant Man, if you don't no, Elephant Man, comma, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not familiar with the story, Elephant, that's a different movie altogether. And, and this, just telling you what the story is about, is probably going to turn off eighty yeah. percent of you from watching it in the first place. And it is; it's one of those things to watch once, be familiar with what happens, mm-hmm. and then don't go back and revisit it again yeah. because you really don't have to. This was one of the ones that I didn't it have to rewatch. Started the whole revolution of those things. And so this was the story of Columbine, mm-hmm. and it was told from the point of view of several different kids yeah. they did a lot of really clever camera work where it was like they a great split screen great too, dolly shot where they would follow one student and then it would catch on to another student and then the dolly would follow them and mm-hmm. then they would catch on to another student and it would follow them yeah they stole that from donnie darko from what donnie darko. yeah they did do a good job with uh was this before darko this might have been before donnie darko, donnie darko stole it. they all stole it from somebody else everyone's <laughs> <laughs> stealing from everybody but it was an intense look at the Columbine shooters, and I, I think a lot of people know what what happened there. Dylan Klebold. Yeah, is that what their names? One are? of them is well, Dylan Klebold, and, and yeah, damn, and the guy that wasn't as good as Dylan Klebold, yeah. apparently. So they were a bunch of they were two like um, trench coat mafia man. Yeah, well, I mean that's what started. That's where that. Oh, you wear a trench coat, you've got to be one of these guys, man. Remember they banned <laughs> trench coats. They were like so disillusioned of how to fix this they were trying anything Marilyn Manson did it <laughs> they were all, everyone's wanting to uh, video point games. fingers video because games. this was the first school shooting and how could this happen you know this this had to have been a concrete reason it was video games it was Manson it couldn't it be that you can buy guns <laughs> yeah. at any store it, in where it, there it was w- in it, uh, Columbine was in Colorado. Colorado, yep. yeah. You could buy a gun at very any... affluent uh, yeah. part of Colorado too. In these, it, Lillington, it basically Lillington? came to Littleton, yeah, Littleton, yep, Littleton, and it all came down to these were just two bullied kids mm-hmm. that were sick of getting bullied for their entire life. One they, of them was even sort of liked a little bit. I think the guy, the one that played baseball, the blonde, the blonde one. Yeah, yeah. I think he. They didn't go into that a, movie. Yeah. He had sort of a connection to other people in there. Yeah. He was just a. They the two of those kids together yeah. 
pushing each other. Yeah, they knew they were outcast. Everyone knew them as outcast, but that's everyone knew those outcasts in school. I knew them. I I was that person for a while. You know, we just hung out with those small groups of people, and you didn't know much about them and everything. But what it came down to is they just had had it. They'd been bullied so many times. They had a hit list. They did play a lot of video games, uh, like they gun did. games, which mm-hmm. is what kind of like really stemmed that whole idea that maybe this had something to do with it. Not didn't, knowing, they made some you know, pr- people play video games some, everywhere, but they didn't. They made. Like some home videos too that were really disturbing. Oh yeah, they made some home videos. That bowling for Columbine fills in a lot of gaps. If you ever want to, like, yeah, if you watch this and you watch that, it was it it shows a lot. And they have online. I've seen some of the the security camera footage from some of the heroics that some of the people that tried to stop them. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's important. I don't try to watch that stuff as sensational. Like I would never click on a video that somebody somebody die. Yeah, I did that once, and that was a mistake. Yeah, I won't do it but to, and, and I did it during the worst one you could possibly yeah, imagine—the Daniel Pearl yeah. one. But uh, to see, like, just to to understand, like, how this could happen, and I mean, bullying just got to it. It's almost like bullying stepped up to another level. Yeah, and the, I mean, it's, I to to crazy people. W- w- hearing about this crime they were like oh i didn't know that was a thing and now that's a thing i don't incels know it sucks scare me it, more now the what incels involuntary oh, yeah. celibate yeah <laughs> the that are bitter at women because nobody wanted to have sex with them yeah. in high school and, they and just there was a level people. of that and there was also uh there was some um some inklings that maybe these guys had a homosexual relationship. They weren't completely Let's say they sure. Did. Well, in the uh in the movie they showed a little it of it. It feels like I don't know. In the movie, they showed a little bit. They showed them getting the shower together, and that was—I think—that's all they showed. So that was the only kind of uh, seed that they put in there that that was a thing. But the last, obviously, all these movies—the last third, man—is are, are the difficult <laughs> things to watch. But they actually show them go in, and they. What was difficult for me was them in the car talking to each other right before they went in. They and the the dark haired kids like we're gonna go in the library. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. You you got this. You got that. And he says, but most of all, have fun, man. Have fun with this. Yeah. And that was like the, I was like, oh my god, man. They they're looking at this like this is the best thing that they've ever done. And they the real crimes they they screwed the pipe bombs didn't work. Yeah, didn't kill anybody. Yeah. They order all these uh, guns online. They show them get them in the house. Yeah, you know they they and unpack the them. They parents were kind of like oblivious. Yep, they had no clue what the hell was going on. So I just what year did Columbine happen? Whew, that's a good question. It was ninety uh, eight, maybe. 98. I think ninety eight. Yeah, it really sort of like woke the world up. Yeah, I'm glad I was out of high school by then. Yeah, yeah, that was one of those. Whew. Yeah, like, but they haven't even made a movie. I don't even know if they could make a movie about. Uh, Sandy Hook. Whew. That was the one that you you would you thought when it happened that they were gonna the real change was gonna happen. And not to bring this even more down, but <laughs> in like China and Japan, guns are hard to get. Yeah. If people flip out, they go to daycares with knives and kill people. Yeah. Yeah. And but in, like, in China though, you have to every year you have to re kind of uh um uh, uh, what is it? Uh uh, recertify yourself as a gun owner and everything, and then they they you have to have your house checked and stuff. There's like like ten layers of things to go through, which in a lot of ways I don't have a problem with. I, mean, I don't what, have a problem with what, that. What, and people like if oh, you're a responsible gun, control, gun owner, have fine. a gun, have ten yeah. guns. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. You should. We should know you have ten. Yeah, guns. yeah. We should know you Why have. Why shouldn't and, we know that? Yeah, that's responsible. Seems, gun owner should yeah. should want 
like responsible laws. And I know so a lot of crazy, responsible. No gun one owners. wants crazy people to have guns, except for crazy people and their the friends. The gun shop near my <laughs> house sells silencers, yeah. which always is weird to me. It's like, why do you need it? What the fuck do you need a silencer for? Yeah. I mean, if you're a good hunter, you don't need it anyways. You want to silent? You, go bow hunting. Yeah, go bow hunting. That's what <laughs> I was just going to say. If, if you're concerned about the noise, and if you're not that good of a shot that you can't kill one shot, one kill, then get a bow. Yeah, you practice know? more. Because, uh, yeah, this is a difficult one, man. This is one of the ones on, this is the one on this list that I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell everyone to go out and see it but i i feel that it's important to see just i like to familiarize myself with all the true crimes and the stuff that happens in the world you know it makes you appreciate the good stuff in the world when you see some of the bad stuff yeah a lot of times and this was was one of those movies and it got a lot of slack when it came out on and it was smartly named elephant can't really tell you why it was called elephant i i don't know i have no idea what's called elephant uh but it it Helped it not being called Columbine. Yeah. <laughs> because you almost couldn't. Uh, I yeah, you, you really can't. Because I remember it for a while there when it came out, and I was watching every indie movie that came out, and I was like, "Oh, Gus Van Zandt's got a new movie that, called Elephant." That young blonde kid that was sort of the star. If yeah. they had to be a star, he sort of followed him yeah. through the clicks. Yeah, he was really good. He was he, really good. I don't know if he went on to do anything. Uh, and the girl, the girl with the glasses, mm-hmm. uh, like the dorky girl, she mm-hmm. was good. Everyone was good in this movie. They were all unknowns. Let's take a risk to yeah. just cast a whole movie with people nobody's ever. Heard yeah, that's about Gus, before. man. Gus, Gus does those movies yeah. that people say you can't do. Uh, he, he dealt. Strongly, he probably gets you look funding. At, I mean, you look at the movies he's movies. done. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's on the fringe a lot of times, but he he has also done some really fantastic uh, uh, award-winning movies and everything. But it it takes a lot to be like that indie director that says, "Hey, I'm going to do this movie about Columbine." Yeah. <laughs> like, who wants to be involved? Well, nobody. That's why you got like all these young actors. I don't know. I think if people. I think he wanted. He didn't want a star to dominate. He it's wanted a story, the story that needs to, to be told, man. To be there and not yeah. like it wasn't sensationalizing it for mm, any way whatsoever. No one watched this and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch that again and root for these kids." He's like, "No, obviously not." <laughs> Some people did, <laughs> but I mean, it, it it really helps, and it's respectfully done when the the teachers that literally save people's lives mm-hmm. uh, because they go into a lot. I mean, that the actual crime itself, you, yeah. you didn't think going watching the movie that they were actually going to go into as much as they did, and they really did. So watch it, don't watch it, but be yeah. familiar with it. And it is interesting how many school shootings have stopped in the last, like, two or three years, you know, with all this other craziness going on. It's like these crazy people can go out and pick it now instead of uh, uh, they, they can grab their Confederate flags yeah. and all these kind of wild eyes. polo shirts and get their yeah. high... High yeah, where they uh, bring their torches out and scream about people replacing them and everything. But it's interesting how it, it's kind of slowed down. Well, not not completely because you, you heard that thing that happened in the mall. Yeah. That was like a mall shooting like two days ago. So maybe it's going to ramp back up. We just up. have – there's – there's more guns in this country than there are people. That's my concern it's that like, now that the crazy right wing agenda is uh, a little bit on the back burner with what's going on, that these pent up rage these small uh, clusters will come back again. The Dylan you know? Roofs of the world are going to go to churches. And... It's crazy, man. It's crazy. This next movie, or like Ricky any... Schroeder paying off oh, the uh, that bag. that uh, dumb fuck. Uh, I can't remember his name. Ritterhouse. Uh, Ritterhouse or uh, something. 
fucking Ricky Schroeder. Come on. <laughs> How ridiculous. All right, let's go a little. This let's, is do, all, let's take none, it down a little bit. None of these are upbeat for <laughs> no. sure. Well, I'm, the I'm, next, it gets a little better after this. I, I put the last two there for a specific reason. Yeah, but, I so, so number seven, and this was a, an interesting story also dealing with Boston. Shout out to Boston. 2015 Spotlight. A lot of great stuff in Boston. And, and Spotlight was a great investigation. I could tell why you would enjoy this movie because I it's got it it's great. got your bread and butter that it, investigated yeah. journalist Plus it was, type stuff. It was, uh, I mean, we weren't. We've Catholic. been in the newspaper we business. Catholic, we've been so in the yay. newspaper business for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, and that was connected heavily. At one of the shots was in the in the. One of the shots did a tracking through the actual production. Yeah. And the Globe cool was a small, like... I delivered like, the Globe, man. It, but it was a small building that you thought, like, oh, the Boston Globe must be... And people think that about these newspaper companies, that they're these huge, like, five, five uh, story buildings and everything. And yeah. it's just like Maybe this the New York one, Times is, but yeah. not the Boston Globe. Yeah, it was just small, Which man. is owned by the New York Times, by the way. So let's go into the cast on this because the cast was incredible. Ruffalo, so we got Ruffalo, Michael, uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, one of the best things she's um, done. Uh, who Liv else? Schrieber. Liv Schrieber. Uh, John Slattery from uh, Mad Men, the white-haired yep. guy mm-hmm. from uh, Mad Men. He was great. Who else was on the team? There was the one guy that wasn't famous uh, yeah. with the mustache that lived down the street from, yep. the, uh, from the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, good character actor. Good character actor there. A lot of Boston actors put on this. And, and basically, this is the oh, story. Oh, the guy he played golf with. Yeah, oh, the guy the, Jamie Sheridan from the, stand? from the stand. He played yeah. Randall Flagg, yeah, man. Yeah. He was really good in this. Uh, Jamie Sheridan, yeah. can't believe he was cast as that. He's a lot better in this type of role I'm, than that. I'm sure we grew up with people who were abused. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, it was I mean, big, you're, in, you're in Massachusetts. You, you have like a, like a 70% chance that you're a Catholic, that you were raised there Catholic. There was a lot of Catholics. A lot of Catholics. We, weren't, town, we, were, we were raised first Methodists and then Christians and then atheists, basically. What was the... The uh, JCs is that the junior Catholic? Yeah, that, yeah the JCs. I remember that had good haunted houses. They had good haunted houses. <laughs> they had good parties. I mean, Catholic people had fun. Yeah, well, that, that's because they they believed they could just ask for forgiveness on yeah. Sunday and it'll be wiped That'd clean. Be awesome. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a good yeah, religion. My, my soul's not gonna burn to hell. Sweet. All I'm I gotta do is I just gotta say tell a few hail marys and one creepy guy in a box. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <why not? laughs> well, this specifically dealt with the creepy guys in the box. Oh. Uh, I, I'm glad that they're finally getting the idea that uh, that making priests celibate is not a good thing. <laughs> it's not. It's a horrible thing, you know, and uh, and make masturbation a sin. Ah, uh, it, it's just it, it's <laughs> insane what they they're forcing these guys. Almost they're they're putting them in the uh, in a bad position from the get go, and so we're dealing with like priests uh, molesting children, and it and. A lot of the people in the story and were like oblivious to it, even though the signs were right in front of their faces, and it really dealt with that. Even to the people where they were like, "It's a tough subject they un- to follow." The movie is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, they all think, "Oh, there's like two or three yeah. priests in Boston that are doing this, and that's horrible." And then the people are like, "Eventually, they were like, no, we came to you when there was twenty, and they were like, there were twenty And I remember they were on the phone with a guy, and he was like, "Are these numbers correct?" He says, "No, those numbers aren't correct. I think it's more like six percent of the priests in Boston." And they were like, they did the math quickly, yeah, like, and like they were 80, like, "That's like seventy. 70 it's like seventy-five <laughs> people. Does that seem right?" And he's like, "Yeah, that that matches my numbers and everything." He said, "Can that be right?" And then it, it's a lot of that. Well, man. they just kept moving priests that would get yep. accused of something. Yep. They would just to move a them to a diocese. Yep. Diocese, and they didn't 
And then they would do it there. And, and then they, they would, would move them again. And, move and them eventually again. The, the last place they move you is into the Vatican. And Greg Giraldo does a great skit about this specific place. And he's like, they held week-long seminars in, in the Vatican. He's like, what are they talking about for a week? Hey, how about we don't fuck kids? Like, <laughs> All right, fellas, <laughs> we'll meet again next year just to reaffirm. He's like, they've had a one-strike-and-you're-out policy, yeah. and they voted it down. Ugh. It's it's crazy, man. Well, you can't throw somebody in jail just for touching one kid. I mean, come on. So that's the, the great meat of this saying. movie was, and I love how they did it, where they split the team out. So there's a mm-hmm. there's an investigative team within the Boston Globe called yeah. Spotlight. It's very similar to Vice, you know, the uh, the the team yeah. with on HBO that does mm-hmm. that Vice show where they they pick a topic and they just go into it and they which just, is the guy that founded Proud Boys, by the way. The Vice guy, the yeah, he completely. He's, he's not there on, anymore, but he, he's turned on the Proud Boys since then too. He, yeah. I think he's come back and and said this is not what I wanted it to be. It's it's like steamrolled into something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's, from what I've read, he's completely turned against the group, mm-hmm. and maybe they've turned against him. I don't know, but uh, so it's basically a group that of well-respected journalists within the Boston Globe that specifically like they deal with like bank fraud or something, yeah. and they just happened to this came across their desk. No, it was the investigative. They got to choose their own projects. Remember, yeah. that's what they were fighting to keep. And what you have to remember is the Catholic Church had a ton of power. Oh my God! In Boston, specifically in Boston, in this yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest Catholic enclaves. Yep. Outside of New England, that was what was interesting about like the the Billy Crudup character, who yeah. he played a lawyer that was and represented so did, the church, and so did Jamie Sheridan. That a lot of the lawyers had they had known specifically they had, uh, and he he was like these are all difficult cases. He says most of these people just want to be heard, and we give them a little bit of money, and that's all the best they can. The hope one for. dude from ah uh, oh, what the heck's the name of that movie? The Tom Hanks Prohibition movie. The pro oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. What what guy in that? The, the one, Road to Perdition. Yeah, one he went to go see that gave him an out. He was the other. Oh crazy yeah, yeah, lawyer. yeah. Uh, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was really great good in this movie. He was the one that Ruffalo was really good in this movie too. Ruffalo was driven, man. It was almost like he was on Adderall through the whole movie because he was like, "We need to find this out." He's perfect for these roles. That's why I liked him in Zodiac. Yeah. Because he's, just... he, he's driven, and he, he performs that well. So, yeah, he went and saw Stanley Tucci, and Stanley's like, I can't talk to you. He's, he's like, He was representing the victims, yeah. and he wanted to know how, how it was happening and yeah. how widespread it was. And, and eventually he, like, alluded to a lot of things. He told him a lot of things off the record that would help him uh, do it without actually having to incriminate himself and everything or his it's Just his the clients. predatory nature of these priests is just that taking vulnerable people that want to be yep. accepted from broken homes mostly— yep. Like, and a, a lot of the journalists that were in spotlight were former Catholics too. Yeah. So they were like, uh, a couple of the scenes that were really powerful was they were going around to get comments from priests. Obviously, everyone was slamming doors in their faces. They weren't talking to him. But remember, Rachel McAdams showed up at the one that priest one house, and he was a little delusional. He like Not had delusional dementia. Yeah, had dementia had come in. Like and, he thought he had done nothing wrong. Yeah, he's like, I never hurt these kids he, he was like yeah, i touched him yeah i touched him and he would like admit to like doing all the stuff and then his sister showed up at the door and says who who are you with he's and uh he's like don't talk anymore don't talk anymore can't believe her brother just was at the the, uh, the door talking to a person from the boston globe another one was when the 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 one character actor that wasn't really oh, famous part of the group. it was one down the street yeah he actually like it was like he 10 at night kids he like went outside the house walked down the street and saw the house where the priest was living and so where he all where they 
A bunch of priests were living. Yeah. And he took a picture of the house and he put, he put it, it on, on his, on his refrigerator. He said, kids, don't go near this house or, yeah. or the guy in it. And I remember when the story hit, remember he dropped off papers at that guy's house, that mm-hmm. priest's house. He just dropped them on his uh, doorstep so he would be the first to know that the story has broken and everything. So, And it was a great investigation. It won yeah. Best Picture. A lot of people forget that Spotlight won Best Picture in, uh, 20, for 2015, man, and it would rightfully so. I remember I, uh, I had lent this to Mom. And mom had been like a half hour into it. And she's like, I can already tell you this is one of my favorites. This is great. Because her, uh, grandpa was really into this subject. He did not like the Catholic Church. He knew shady shit was happening. So this was one of his things that this is one of the main reasons why he could not stay in the Catholic Church. <clears throat> because, I mean, he lived up there in Boston. He, he knew that this type of shit and he was, was going religious. on. And he was also he was somewhat religious, I suppose. I don't, he, I don't know them of ever going to church. but He was the maintenance guy at the yeah Yeah, he, the, he did. Um, Methodist church. Methodist church. Yeah. Like, he's like, I can't do the Catholics anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go Catholic, Catholic light, either yeah. Episcopalian or Methodist. The Catholics always seemed weird to me. There was too many rules, too many, like, ceremonies, too much. The, the whole too idea. Too many pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Like, high-hatted dudes yeah, telling luckily, people about who's going to do marriage counseling. Yeah. You've never been married. It's Grand- like, Jesus Christ. Grandpa Duper got excommunicated from the yeah, uh, Catholic church because he was a... Uh, uh, Catholic uh, marrying a Protestant, you know, and uh, that's when a no-no. That shit mattered. But yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, spotlight. If you don't know the story of the uh, of like the transitioning of all these priests to different dioceses and everything, they and don't, just what was going on. It doesn't it's get amazing. too uncomfortable. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. They stay away from. They had a couple of interviews with some people that got molested. Yeah, but they were adults. When the they subject were talking was about difficult, it. but they didn't show anything. They didn't show anything. A lot of it is the investigation, yeah. discovery. So, of, a, a lot of it's like. But hey, if you want to see how debaucherous. Yeah, religion can or how operate. a big like secret is uncovered. Yeah. That that was the beauty of this movie is how one little thing led to another, led to another, led to these lists of all yeah, these. Everybody people. Everybody wanted them to drop it. Like, yeah, it's like it, you have to drop it. And we're like, we're not dropping it. You know, Jeremy Sheridan was a big standout with Michael Keaton to the end. Remember, he went to his house mm-hmm. and he he told him you have to leave the house. And then he met him outside and he had a. He basically had two, two or three sheets of paper. Did he sign? Didn't he circle the ones that didn't molest anybody no, he, or something? He, 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 uh, he circled the ones that did, but it was just one big circle yeah, on right, every right, page. Right. It was like it's all of them, you know. And I'm telling you this, and so uh, yeah, it's crazy. All right, now we get to the point where it's a lot more kind a of more uh, a little bit more fun. This first one is a wild one, and you just watch it, so I'm interested in knowing your your uh, your opinion. This is the great uh, Tom Hardy in 2008's Bronson. Now, a lot of this reminded me of Chopper, not as crazy and insane as Chopper. And they had that whole like theatrical part. Was weird. Was weird. It was a weird movie. It was a weird. What movie. do you think of it? Though? I liked it. I mean, I, I mean, he's a crazy man. I mean, he's a, he's a wild man for sure. Thirty years out of thirty-four years in solitary confinement. Yep. And he basically created. He he was a huge Charles Bronson fan, so he basically became a different persona while he was in solitary, just to be able to kind of deal with it. He, he wanted to be. Remember he. He talked to the boxing promoter, and he—he's his first choice to emulate was Charlton Heston. <laughs> and the guy's like, "No, nobody gives a shit about Charlton Heston, Charles Bronson, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Charlie he, fucking Bronson." And Tom Hardy was crazy looking in this movie too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like a chameleon in a bunch of different films, but he, specifically, it's almost he like had a that, caricature of that old timey boxer with yeah, the, yeah, with the, the wife beater with the big curly mustache, mustache with the twirls on the end of it. For sure, like this. Yeah, for sure. He he did have I'm that look to him back. 
that that <laughs> last and I haven't seen this in a while, so you have to fill in some of the gaps. But that last scene was when he painted himself in like grease paint, completely mm-hmm. naked, yeah. to take on uh, like all the prison guards. Yeah. and he well, was just he, a wild he man. Just like there was like six scenes of him fighting prison. So guards. what was what got him in the prison in the first place? Um, he robbed something with a he got a shot, a shot off shotgun mm-hmm. and went and robbed something and wasn't very careful about it. So he got, but then he was started killing people in prison. That that's where no, the real problem he, happened. He hadn't even killed anybody at that point. Yeah. I don't think he ever killed anybody. Really? To be honest with you. Wow. I think he just liked to beat the he shit. He just out of loved people. to fight. <laughs> and he beat up so many guards that after his first seven year sentence. They sent him to the the sane asylum. Yeah. And he just beat up so many people in the sane asylum. What they did is they just declared him sane and let him out. So that's when he started his bare-knuckle boxing career is when he got out his second time. You're starting a bare-knuckle boxing career. You're a little off, in my opinion, anyways. And remember, he was fighting like these, like, at first it was like other dudes that were like, it almost reminded me of, uh, what was the pikey one? Because he oh, was fighting yeah. gypsies, he, he yeah, fighted. Yeah. He was fighting gypsies yeah. in barns for twenty bucks. This was in London. Were, Is this yeah, where, yeah in London? But then they were fighting like people were paying money to have their Rottweiler fight him, and he was beating <laughs> up their Rottweiler. He's he was a <laughs> wild man, and like I said, it's hard to tell that this was even Tom Hardy because it was so early on, and he was jacked. I mean, he was jacked, jacked, and I'm not sure how tall he is. He always he strikes me as someone that's not too tall. Maybe he's like he was, five eight or something yeah, like but that. He was jacked. But he was jacked, and I he mean, was just a crazy persona. I think he went from this to Bane. They probably yeah. saw this, and that's what kind of made them decide he was going to be Bane. And that, then he was in Dunkirk, and he's he's obviously he's almost a household name mm-hmm. now, and he does some great movies. But this was the indie movie that kind of started him off, and that's kind of how I heard about it. I was like. Uh, researching pump, like crazy movies. Forever. What's that? It was in Netflix's queue forever. Oh, really? Forever. I didn't. I maybe that's it. how I saw it too, because I saw the. Uh, you know, you, you see the. Uh, like you said, that old timey boxer kind of image is what the cover image mm-hmm. for this movie was too, and uh, it, apparently he was a character. Yeah, he was so. a, certainly a character. But that that end sequence. Let's talk a little bit about that. Or. He was in like the library. Is that where it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this was and in he the held like the acting coach. That's right. Like, tied him up and like painted his eyelids with the eyes on him, <laughs> and then like didn't even do anything to him. But, but he this was, was just, in prison, right? This he was, was in prison. This was in a section yeah. of the mm-hmm. prison, and basically he would take hostages because yep. he did the same to the librarian like yep. in two scenes earlier. He would just take a hostage out of the blue. Just to get the guards to come so he could he, fight the he guards. Knows he knows he's going to be there forever. So and he didn't care about being in solitary. Yeah. It, it's a, something about not having... The prisoners have to have something to look forward to, almost like their release but or if they a possibility. Don't, then that's if a they dangerous don't, person, man. My God, man. They don't care who they kill. I mean, a guard... Come, what are you going to do to him? Other than, like, if especially if you're in a state that doesn't have... I uh, think his worst... What, the worst thing that happened to him when he didn't like is being at the mental institute and just being on drugs. Yeah. He was just, like, doped up the whole time yeah. when he was there. It was crazy. It was a wild, wild movie, man. I want to, don't want to forget my story about the Black Mass tied to Boston Strangler. Oh, do it. Tell us. Uh, DeSalvo. Yeah. Was, That's the Boston Strangler. Yeah. yeah. He was killed in prison by someone in the Winterhill gang. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Huh. Someone from the Winterhill gang stabbed him in prison. Well, that's what happens here in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> at the so right time. Definitely the, the right time, the right place. That's interesting so as hell. Boston I Strangler that. died in prison. They said it was because he was, uh, he was selling drugs. At a lower than negotiated price that then yeah. everybody else is selling in them, and then the Winter Hill Gang is like, you're not taking our territory. Yeah. 
I don't care who you strangled. (laughs) You know, I I would think a lot of if you were like one of those famous. I mean, that was the Jeffrey Dahmer thing. You know, if you if you're too famous, Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to worry about uh, somebody taking you out just to be able to say that, hey, I'm the. And not that we ever knew. We never knew who took out Dahmer. You know, it was one of those things that oh, someone took him out. Good. You know, and that's all we knew about it. Not that he's not in prison bragging about it, maybe, but uh, we certainly never knew about it. But I, apparently the, it got out with the Boston Strangle and the, uh, that one gang that uh, took him down. All right, this next one that we were very familiar with growing up. Yeah. And this is uh, 2017, and I love that they made this very lighthearted and kind of like uh, uh, almost August Van Zant to die for type movie. is 2017's I, Tonya, which dealt with the Tonya Harding. Because they were going back uh, and forth with the Carrie. two the stories and then they're like and then the character themselves would be like that never happened and they tried to make I still don't like Tanya Harding I, I, it, it kind of sat wrong with me that she was at the Oscars for this and everything she's a fucking scumbag she's a scumbag but obviously she was raised a pe- scumbag she was raised a scumbag and I feel bad for those uh, those little Olympic kids whose parents yep. drive no, them no there's a point do... there's a part of me that feels bad for her but I don't think she should be at no. the Oscars being celebrated I see in her commercials and shit and I'm like don't put this bitch in commercials yeah. she doesn't deserve commercials I mean whatever you think it's about it's only her. whether you believe that she didn't know anything about yeah, it that's bullshit I, mean, I doubt it. So she's she's basically raised and uh, brilliantly played by oh. Allison Janney, who won the Oscar for it. She, she deserved she the Oscar. She was, she was a mad woman. There was a lot of like domestic violence in this movie. It was also a lot of fourth wall breaks that just mm-hmm. made it really interesting. Yep. Like when when Sebastian Stan, who played her boyfriend, Sebastian Stan is you probably don't know who that guy is. The boyfriend. Uh, he's, I, I've seen him. He's the Winter Soldier. He's the um, huge Marvel character. I've uh, seen him in other stuff. Yeah. So he's usually uh, a, a really likable uh, kind of. Heartthrobby guy, and this they made him into a complete scumbag. He wasn't as good as his buddy, uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who I love. Paul I Walter, in, Paul Walter Hauser is intelligence. No, you weren't. <laughs> like, if you don't know Paul yeah, Walter yeah, Hauser, yeah. man, you are missing out on one of the best. He played Richard Jewell mm-hmm. in the Richard Jewell movie, and he also played uh, in uh, Black Klansman. Uh, mm-hmm. He was really good in it. Yeah, yeah. He's this short, fat, <laughs> really funny guy that just played the dumbass friend of Sebastian Stan, who. Who was Jeff Galuli? Jeff Galuli. He was like part Jeff of the Galuli's whole thing. Was the boyfriend, right? Yep. And so, uh, one of my favorite scenes is because a lot of this is told through interviews. I mean, the mm-hmm. most of the majority of it's told mm-hmm. through interviews, and uh, you hear uh, Margot Robbie talking about her life, and then they show the they backstory and everything. Yeah, they made her look they, bad. She was. And she's gorgeous. I mean, probably she's, one of the prettiest girls on the yeah, planet. Yeah, she's probably one of the prettiest actresses for sure. And I mean, you look at her from Wolf of Wall Street, and you look at her from here, you're like, holy crap, is that the same woman? And uh, I love the scene where she had the '80s hair. I just remember, oh god, yeah, man, high school, and I was like, oh, it was girls in our class that had that hairstyle. When she's talking about how uh, uh, Galuli had beat the shit out of her, and they have her with the shotgun, shotgun yeah. and she's talking to the screen, and she's like, this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like shooting uh, at him, and he's running out of the house, and they're showing her get her ass kicked by him. And then the mom, man, some she of the threw stuff. A knife. Like, remember it stuck in her arm? Yeah. Oh man. The, the mom is a wild woman that had like a remember the bird that's just she perched parrot. she had a parrot just like perched on her shoulder that during the interviews friend. and everything you can watch some of these interviews on that yeah, DVD yeah. too on the special features it's really interesting and 
So she was just raised as a child doing the the skating, you know, the uh, the mm-hmm. figure skating when she was younger, and her mom was just that that bitch yeah, that showed would, up and put with a flask during a Wednesday yeah, afternoon that, that just was looking meet. for a, a yeah. verbal argument at any point with somebody that told her shit about her kid or this. Well, or that. I remember like when she was a she was like ten skating. Remember in that scene where they're like she like I gotta go to the bathroom. Yep. And she's like you're not coming off this ice. Yeah. Well, like, that was herself. was that Alice and Jenny or the younger woman playing her? That was the. That was Allison Jenny. Did Allison Jenny play the play mom through the, the whole mom thing? Through the whole thing. All right, I'm thinking of they, the they other. They had three different girls playing Tanya. That's right. They had a, and they had somebody obviously skating for her. Yeah, she, obviously. And then they. She was the first girl, woman to ever, um, perform the triple axel in, in, uh, Olympic history. Oh, all right. Well, she's got that to hold on there at least. Well, I, they've done it <laughs> since, but she was the first. Oh yeah, yeah, she was the first. And it was like when they explained how difficult it was to do it. Like the coach was like, let me explain to you. So yeah. you skate backwards, you go from one foot, three rotations, three and a half rotations in the air, and land on like a millimeter of your skate. Yeah. Going X amount of miles an hour. It's like the chances of you getting struck by lightning yeah. are probably. Better. So let's talk. A, let's talk about the actual crime. So she had spent so much time bitching about Nancy Kerrigan, you know. Yeah, and she was America's sweetheart. Yeah. Where she was the other girl. Uh, Tanya Harding was white trash. Yeah. Oh, I mean, she was complete white trash. And and she, good, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm. I mean, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But the judges weren't gonna. You can be white trash. Just don't. Trash. I just feel don't that, commit crimes. I feel white trash sometimes. <laughs> We're in Florida. It's hard not to. Uh, but I mean, don't don't commit crimes or do shady shit or live up to that. They name. were mailing death threats. Yeah. Remember, they mm-hmm. they started out mailing death threats, and then Jeff Gluley started getting his shithead friends involved, <laughs> and then they like. Who's the guy that played Richard Jewell? What's his name again? Uh, Paul Walter Howard. Paul was, he's like, I improvise. <laughs> like, he like, he's, he's the one crazy, that- man. He, he is such a weird, weird actor. And that's not him in real life. I follow him on Twitter, and he's a really kind of eloquent kind of guy who loves movies. He loves talking about his favorite movies and his favorite actors and everything. And he, he feels really generous to be able to be playing these roles. But he played it like he was on Quaaludes, like the entire movie, where he was just he was he eating was talking. the entire movie, too. Yeah, he was talking with his eyes half closed. And uh, you people don't know, I, I work for these like secret societies. And he's just—he's a wild man. So did, they hired two other people to actually do the yeah. crime, mm-hmm. and it was just two other fuck-ups, two I guess, other basically fuck-ups in their network. And so, tell us about what the, the uh, what happened during that crime. I mean, it was during like it was during the nationals, but it was during a practice. Is no, that what I think it was? it was in the nationals. She was getting ready to skate, and Nancy Kerrigan, Nancy Kerrigan, and so they snuck in to the arena through the one. Dude, they're like, don't look anybody in the eye. Just yeah. walk in like you're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're going to do that, that's how you have to do it. Yeah. Just pretend you're supposed to be there. Yep. And yep. Uh, No one will say anything yeah. to you if you, you look and like so you And so he uh, he went in there and had a baton, like one of those things you... Like blackjacks, yeah. Extend. Home, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, just walked right by her while she was stretching, whacked her as hard as he could in her leg, Oof. and just kept walking. Yeah. And then she's screaming. Remember, they Why? had her famous... Why? <laughs> it's almost... I wonder is she, she must still be alive. They, yeah. they it's almost like made fun of now. It's like Yeah, man, I they, remember after I she won sh- did she she I'm assuming she healed and came back. Yeah. Or it'd be but, even but more the, of a tragedy. That's what pisses me off the mo- the most about it is that Tanya became the celebrity uh more well, she th- took her spot on the Olympic team. Well, too. that too. But 
and obviously she had stuff to do with it, man. It's one of those things that she can deny it all she wants and, oh, yeah. oh woe is me, all yeah. she wants. But you're a scumbag, and you were dated scumbags, and your scumbag friends hurt this girl. Who and, benefits the most? That's the guilty person. And, and it just <laughs> makes no sense. It, it, it makes no sense to me that Nancy Kerrigan should be the one in the spotlight after this whole thing and a movie done from her angle, and it's obviously it's done from Tanya. White trash sells. Yeah. I was like, love me, you know? I, they made a movie about me, and I'm going to have my life back again. I said, no, that movie came out, and now everyone thinks you're trash again. She went and did female boxing. Remember yep. those? She did the female boxing. She had, like, a sex tape on her honeymoon right. release. Uh, <laughs> then she, she was doing, like, State Farm commercials for a while. That's the last time I saw her. Yeah. And, I was, and that, I remember being pissed. I was like, she shouldn't be doing these fucking State Farm commercials. I said, it's not funny. And I remember Nancy Kerrigan even got shit. Remember when she had one and she went to Disney World? Do you remember when she, she spoke up on a hot mic? They're doing the parade. And she's like, this is so fucking corny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. She's got enough problems and everything. And now <laughs> people are talking about America's Sweetheart now has just, uh, like, uh, sullied the Disney World uh, yeah. Olympic experience and everything. So. But it was wild, and I, I love how they told it. Like I said, I love how they, they added a comedy like it was a Coen Brothers movie, mm-hmm. and uh, the music was great, too. Mm-hmm. Fabulous music yeah, around that like time. it was like 70s. Yeah, all 70s, 80s. kind of like uh, radio music that was really, really good. And like the breaking the fourth wall, you can't do that with a lot of movies. I think it, it pairs well better with a movie that's told from interview uh, perspectives. Mm-hmm. So she's talking in an interview, and then they have the character talking to the screen. Like mm-hmm. It was just crazy how they did it, man. Yeah, really well. They get they get some top level actors to be a part of it too. Like I said, Allison Janney won the Oscar for it, richly deserved too, because she's she's been an amazing character actor we've seen for years and years and years, and has a TV show that I never watched that mom show, but I hear she's good. In it. She was great in West Wing. Yeah, yeah, that was like her big big thing was mm-hmm. West Wing. I always liked her in. Um, like that, the private parts movie. She was the one that was going against. I Howard couldn't watch for a while West Wing there. now after the Trump. Oh God, man! Yeah, and be like, where did all this regalness? It's go? just gonna piss you off. It's like uh, I had he bought. Took, he uh, turned the presidency into a uh, into a three ring circus. And I bought the uh, American president, the Michael Douglas one. Yeah. And I was like, I'll buy this once all this shit is over, and I'll watch it then because they they released like I had showed my uh, my wife the uh, the guy that Biden had. Uh, brought in as his uh, political advisor mm-hmm. that uh, Blinken, what what role yeah. does he play? I can't remember. Um, special counsel. Yeah, special counsel or something. And they have a... Uh, like Julie, Julie. They, have a uh, <laughs> they have a clip with him on Sesame Street talking to Grover for two minutes, talking to him about what he does and everything like that. And I was like, this is what we need. Can you imagine, like, Barr going on Sesame Giuliani, Street? Giuliani or Giuliani or something Sesame like Street. that? It's like, this is what we Here's need. Here's how you confuse the legal system. You yeah. just throw all these wild claims out there, and then these shit. <laughs> Trump falls will believe it and then that's how it go <laughs> so yeah it's crazy but if you want to watch a wild white trash movie about how your life goes one way where it should have went another just by bad decisions I Tanya is yeah. perfect for that man alright and, and that, that is, could go with the same uh, premise for that like uh, dumbass uh, dis- or bad decisions made by like low educated people is all about Pain and Gain, man, number 13, uh, or uh, 2013, this is our uh, last one here, and I had gone so long without watching this movie, I remember when it came out, and I was like, oh, Michael Bay directed it, and it's a couple muscle-bound guys doing stuff, but I didn't know much about it, and I had heard several people, I was like, this was a true crime thing, and it was a crazy, crazy story, like, you should you watch it. write this, this is, what, oh. it was almost like a cone, it was almost like to the point, after reading. To the point where 
there was like three-fourths of the way movie through the movie they actually put the words on the screen yeah, this, this actually still happened real. this is still this, real yeah. this actually <laughs> happened because it was so unbelievably they were like oh they must have taken liberty with some of this no they did not they didn't have to so <laughs> you're basically this was in miami this could only happen in miami probably <laughs> And it, Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, so he good, was man. fucking great. One of my favorite things The Rock had ever done. Rock I, I love The Rock in this. So you got The Rock, you got Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I, damn, I'm going to forget the uh, the Falcon's name. The guy who plays the Falcon in the Marvel movies was that third guy yeah, 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 uh, yeah. in the movie. And he was he really, also was in... Uh, he was also in... Damn, I almost got to look him up because uh, I feel bad. The Manchurian Candidate remake. He was one of the people, one of the soldiers. Let me look up his name while we talk about this. Anthony, I almost got it. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he was really, really good. Ed Harris was great in this. And it just, uh, it's a story about somebody that thought he should be at a better status in life, and instead of taking the opportunity to go out and do it. Yeah, he just he, wanted to steal it from somebody else. He wanted to steal it from somebody else. Yeah. And, and he was a uh, a gym guy. You know, he had he worked at a gym, and he was really good at that. You know, obviously he was huge, and he, he knew how to do it. But he, he knew how to get on people's... He knew how to manipulate people. Yep, and, and he ended up... Uh, Tony Shalhoub was one of his uh, his clients, basically. He just liked to talk about how rich he was. Yep, and then just so much after... And then he ended up meeting The Rock, who was massive, and... Uh, <laughs> He was reformed too. He had been a reformed criminal. He had gone to prison. He had, was a former drug addict. He's he was very into uh, to God, and uh, Mark Wahlberg's character basically fucked that all up for him. Man, and it was the scene with him in the barbecue with the hands. Oh, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> we can't so. cook these inside. <laughs> It stinks in there. <laughs> Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson yeah. was crazy in this movie, man. And <laughs> like when she, they got married and they had to cut the had Anthony Mackie's cutting the carpet out of his house and everything. It was just one wild thing after another. So let, let's go back a little bit. So, so yeah, like you said, Mark Wahlberg wanted a better life than he was. Personal training for Tony Shalhoub's character. Yeah. And so they came up with the idea that hey, why don't we kidnap this guy and then we just steal his money? We we live the life basically that he's living. Uh, we drive his cars. We live in his house. <laughs> we do all these things, and then uh, it, when we're tired of him, I guess we'll let him go. I guess that was their original uh, idea, which obviously didn't go that way. It, it went even a more wild way. They it got just, to do it way longer than I thought they would. Yeah, yeah. It's it, what happened was people didn't like Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, that was what it was. He was an so asshole. So it wasn't like people were like clamoring for injustice to be righted. Mm-hmm. They just didn't give a shit. About I mean, Tony Shalhoub had to be once he got released, basically, or or free of them hiring Ed Harris. And, mm-hmm. and it, what was crazy about it is that they were still doing it when Tony Shalhoub was free. You, you thought yeah. him getting out of it would be like just oh, show well, back up at his house and say, well, "It was my shit." Yeah, and the, the cops would fl- uh, fly in and they would take over it, and they were like, "No, you signed for this, and you did this, and you signed that over." He says, "We got your signature on these things," and even like to the point where he was going out of the country uh, doing deals and stuff like that but when they actually kidnapped him so they drive up in a van and just the way they were dressed they botched it a couple of times remember? yeah that's right they expected him in one place when he wasn't and when they finally got him they're like Rock's dressed like a ninja. <laughs> and it it looks like so the Green Hornet. <laughs> that, that I, I couldn't imagine that when this story was brought to their, uh, to, uh, when the script was brought to them, they were like, wow. It's like, if this is really real, then this is insane. So they definitely had some fun with the, the filming and the crazy aspect of it. So 
they kidnapped him. They kept him in like, uh, what was it? A, a, it wasn't a basement or something. It was like a different, it was a whole other location, like a right? Warehouse. A warehouse where they just kept him. Mm-hmm. And The Rock would be the one taking care they of him. They took shifts. And yeah, they took shifts, but The Rock was the one that actually like would talk to him and everything. And he was cool with him. Like- he was cool with him. Yep. You know, he, he, he was all, all cool with him until the point where they were going to take him out and kill him at some point. Remember, The Rock ran over him. <laughs> it's botched murder. It's, it's like a botched murder. They, they thought they had they killed. Poured Tony a bunch Shalhoub. of liquor down him and tried to run him in his car into yep. a dump, into a like a forklift or a yep. tractor. And then he like and stumbled he got, out. He stumbled out on fire, and then they ran him over. Yeah. And then he got up like and several so they times. Didn't they run him over and then up. backed over and well, then ran him over again? What had happened is when they went to back over him, his head was next to a one of those parking, mm-hmm. what do you call those parking cement Yeah, things. yeah, the cement bankments. So basically his head was at the yeah, same level right, of the thing. Right. So when they ran over his head, the tire went up on the thing, and it like just cleared his head. Oh, man. It always, if you're going to be a murderer, why don't you go back and check the bodies? I got you know? a gun in, the cu- in my room. <laughs> we can, we we can, can go shoot them together. together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Scott. <laughs> But uh, so I, I've only seen this once, and I saw it a few weeks ago. Uh, who was who was the guy they were barbecuing? <laughs> it was the porn king? Remember? So they went. They they were running through his money, and yep. they wanted to get more money. They had inadvertently, and it was the guy from Death to Smoochie, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Michael Rizzotti, yeah, the yeah. Italian guy, yeah, yeah. And so they went to his house, and they wanted to and, do a deal with him, and they were going to try to do a deal with him, but the, he was like. They, he wasn't going to have it. That's right. His girlfriend was there dancing. Yeah. And... So then they killed him by mistake. Remember the weight bench? Yep. The weight came off and crushed his head. Yeah. And then the wife came in and screaming her heads out. out and they had to kill and her. And they killed her. And then they took the bodies. And This was all at Anthony Mackey's house, too. Were... And he had just gotten married to Rebel yeah. Wilson and she wasn't mm-hmm. home. And, uh, and they met like, because he had like a steroid problem. Yeah, his dick uh, wouldn't get hard. And she worked at a at a ECD remember, erectile dysfunction. That's right. Clinic. Remember them at the bar where Mackie's uh, drinking breast milk. <laughs> the greatest scene of that movie was the guy from what was that Tom Cruise movie where he gave him the eye transplant? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember uh, the guy the, from Fargo that was yeah, there? Yeah, the guy he from was Fargo. the doctor in this. That's was right. Giving him the shot. Yeah, <laughs> you're Is gonna, it gonna be hurt. Just like oh, high it's school. gonna hurt. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell is his name? Uh, Peter uh, Stamori. Peter Stamori. Stamori. Yeah. Uh, I always confuse him with the other guy we were talking about, Peter Skarsgård. Skarsgård. But Stamori, yeah, he was the guy from uh, from Armageddon. Turn left, okay. Turn left, okay. Nah, not okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, it was a wild movie with wild characters. And uh, If like, you watched it and it wasn't real, you would be like, this is too much. Yeah, this is too much. you got to tone this, this down like, a little yeah, bit. If you, you want this movie. Come on, you want me to believe yeah. this happened? Uh, it would no, be interesting really to, to like give it to people and not tell them it was a true story until after they uh, had read it and be like, yeah, we can't do this. It's too wild. You have to it down. This is not. This is this is real. This, this is, is what, happened. what happened. So, anyways, they they had to get rid of the bodies. You know, Anthony Mackie cut out pieces of the carpet that had been bled on when they killed the porn <laughs> king and his girlfriend. They brought the porn very king dysfunctional. Back to- he, uh, Mark Wahlberg had the greatest line in the movie when they found out that Tony Shalhoub wasn't dead. They went to the hospital yeah. to try to get him. And they were all dressed up and for surgery, <laughs> and they they were trying to follow. Remember the system when they had on the floor to mm-hmm. tell you where to go. It yep. was like a blue line, and he's like, "We wandered around that hospital for an hour before we figured out." And then, like, they finally found his room, and he said, "If we learned one thing, we're better when we improvise." <laughs> 
It's a morons. I mean, they were complete morons. They, they, just... they brought the porn guy's uh, body back to the warehouse, and they were like, we got to chop him up. And they're showing them chop him up, and they were like... Uh, they got to chop the hands off. We got to get rid of the fingerprints and everything. That's what I was talking about, where they had taken off and they left the rock back there, and the rock was barbecuing the hands mm-hmm. outside. And they pulled over and they, and that was the problem that the rock started doing coke. He got the big. He, he remember started, he had his big toe shot. <laughs> yeah, he got his big toe and he kept on, <laughs> kept it with him. And then they left it for the chihuahua. Yeah. Isn't that how they got to him? They didn't got didn't he show up at the wedding with his toe shot yeah. shot off too. Mm-hmm. It was just like one wild situation after another. Man, I need to rewatch it again because one. When I watched it, I was like, well, this is one of the best movies I've seen in like five years, man. I said, it's just too wild not to enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. And as, as weird of a subject it is, as weird of a true story that it was, it was just uh, unbelievable that it, it went this way. And watching The Rock barbecue those hands and just his jaws moving as he's like coked out <laughs> out of his mind, man. What was the, uh, and so they, they ended up hiring Ed Harris and Ed Harris had like tracked him down and everything. What was the ultimate uh, finale kind of outcome to, to Remember, the crime? so... They were running out of money, and they stole his cigarette boat, remember? And they were trying mm-hmm. to get to the Bahamas to get his offshore money. Remember, yeah. he had said, he's like, you didn't tell us you had a secret. He's like, it's a secret stash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not? He's like, we should have known two hours ago, because yeah. they were already, that cigarette boat would get yeah. to the Bahamas pretty quick. So they had to get, like, a task force together, and they were chasing, what's his name, finally got the money out in cash, and they were chasing him. I just remember... They caught Mark Wahlberg, and they brought his character back in the plane. Mm-hmm. And when he was landing, they had all the sheriffs, Miami sheriff's deputies, and everybody were waiting. He's like, is this all for me? <laughs> yeah. like, wow. Like a lot of these people, man. They yeah. just are he in was, it for the limelight, yeah. too. And it's crazy. Mark's character got out and got only 15 years. He cooperated. Remember? He went up on stand, and he ratted them all out. And then Whose went, character? The Rock. Oh, The Rock, yeah. He yeah. went on stand, and he ratted them all out. Yeah. And then he went back and sat next to him. At, at the at the table, and he's like, "Feels good to get it off my chest." <laughs> like they were like, <laughs> "It's such a weird." If you've seen The Rock and other things, you're used to seeing him not play a dumbass and being a very commanding mm-hmm. role in in all his stuff. Was he's he done, good in so that Uber movie? Uh, where you take the no, movie? that's Bautista. Oh, that was yes, Bautista. Dave Bautista. Okay, okay, yeah. I get he's those, really good at that. Those two are very interchangeable. They they are very. They're both former wrestlers, and they're both huge, and they both can do comedy. And uh, and uh, the the difference is, The Rock could be president. The Rock, it, it, if he wanted to be, if The Rock wanted to run, there's so if many Tony, pe- fans. If Tony Lister could be president. <laughs> I'll believe anything. Yeah, <laughs> Debo. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you want to of all these movies, it's the one that I, the the two that I probably recommend everyone. Uh, there's three of them that I would recommend everyone to watch, which would be Spotlight, Black Mass, and Pain and Gain. Uh, I Tanya also. The, the, Wolf those of are Wall ones. Wolf of Wall Street's a little innocuous. wild though. If you're not into the whole, uh, there's scene. a lot of drugs and sex and wild stuff in there that might sit wrong with a lot of people. But uh, Pain and Gain is the one that it's just, it's a fun movie along with being just a crazy, crazy story. You know, it, it helps the fact that they were they were kidnapping a horrible person. They were, just, he's an asshole. And the, the porn he king, obviously. So and, yeah, Tony Shalhoub, Tony man. Was great he's so good. He's, he's one of those great character actors that you, you forget about until they stick him in a great role like that or the man who wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And you get to see him actually show his it, chops. It was almost a lot like that character, not 
just fast talking, yep. flaunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like this is me. This is what I've done. Yeah, you, you, who are you? You're a barber. You're nobody. Yeah, you're, you're a barber. You're nobody. Exactly. <laughs> and that, <laughs> I do. I picture him saying that and everything. And, and it was probably the real life guy that he probably saw a video of him. And yeah. He was like, "Oh, uh, I could do and, this, man." And you only have to see thirty seconds of him. Okay, I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. Such a great movie. I, I have a uh, sneaking suspicion that mom is going to watch it either today or tomorrow because she had uh, watched uh, a movie with our stepdad. And he was like, "Oh, he's getting into the movies." I'm watching. I was like, "You watch Pain and Gain," because I sent her Pain mm-hmm. and Gain. I said, "You watch it with him." I said, "I said you guys will both really enjoy this." So hopefully she watches it before he li- uh, listens to the pod because it's going to ruin it for you. Nice, but yeah, true crime, man. I mean, it's some, three's it's, coming sometime. It's it, it, it sucks for the people that are involved in it, but for people that are watching these crazy true crime stories, man, it's very entertaining, and it's also a. Uh, kind of a, a show that, that don't do this type of thing. They never turns out, especially if you're an idiot. All these well, people are idiots. Well, think about it. The true crime movies that, that don't get made. Yeah, we don't hear about people it. People get rid of them, get away with it. <laughs> yeah, they get away with it. We don't hear about it until 20 years later when yeah, they reveal Cooper, it or something like that. they find something in the woods. Yeah. The, the, the one they haven't made a movie about yet is, uh, 2020. is Boston. <laughs> they stole all those paintings from that museum. Posing oh, as Boston right. Cops. Remember? Right. They stole like... And they never caught them, right? 85 million... They're just now like finding stuff up about it, but yeah. it, was, it was ridiculous. That, that'll eventually come out, I'm hey, sure. It's Boston's shady place. Yeah, Growing up, you didn't realize it was shady. <laughs> we were outside. We were in the suburbs. Yeah, so. but but yeah, it was, it was surrounded by some place. shady shit. <laughs> I'm sure maybe it's still a little shady. I don't know, but. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that's our true crime, man. Next week, we have a great one. It's our second part of me and Justin's X-Men pod where we're going to do the, uh, I'm the, riveted. the the fringe ones. So the X-Men one turned out really uh, great if you're, an, if you're an X-Men fan. So we, we decided we definitely got to go back in and do the uh, do the Deadpool movies, do the Wolverine, do uh, New Mutants, which was uh, which was pretty good uh, that I recently watched. Uh, so that'll be an exciting one. And then me and Dave are going to come back and we're going to do a director series where we're going to talk about Ron Howard. All Ron Howard's great movies. He's done a shitload of them. So much so that I had to trim it down and, and leave a bunch of them off because he's done so many great flicks. And then uh, I think me and Justin are going to do a character actor uh, uh, pod. And then after that, it's going to be 2020, which will probably have to be a set list. Uh, and we're going to have to be telling you about a lot <laughs> of them. And, and let's, yeah, well, no, we're going to do a game during it, too. So oh, okay. that'll, so that'll take half, up a lot of them. It'll be 45 minutes long. Yeah, that'll take a lot of it up. But we have a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. But. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, check us out, fascinatedwithfilms at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page where we have a lot of great uh, pictures. I did a great one for the X-Men one because we were talking about old school and new school X-Men. So I took two collages in the exact same order of what they looked like when they were the younger and the older ones. And I loved it because I don't know if anyone realized it but me, but I had Wolverine, Hugh Jackman in there looking exactly the same in both of them because he doesn't age. So I thought that was kind of clever. Because he's really Wolverine. Yeah, well, he doesn't age. He's and got he's that. really Wolverine. Yeah, he's really Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, if you want to leave us a like or a comment, you can leave it uh, on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Those are our two platforms, uh, and we'd appreciate it. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this one, and hope you enjoy all the other ones leading out into 2021. We're all excited to see 2021. I know I am. Maybe movie theaters will come back that year, because they certainly are not here right now. Oh, and December 15th, Tenant comes out. So uh, I'm definitely going to rent Tenant on uh, on Redbox. Hopefully you do the same. We can uh, talk about that for the 2020 pod because I have a feeling nice. uh, that it's not going to be a disappointment. Christopher Nolan usually does he not let us down. So uh, I'm he spent excited. spent a lot of money on this movie. 
Shit, yes. It's, he can get my dollar eighty from Redbox, but yeah. I'm not sure how yeah, they're going to do it. going to do it. I don't know what he's going to do to try to. Oh God, that's they Jesus. made it back. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear with that. With worldwide distribution. With the China and everything. China, yeah. yeah, they made it back. Well, they're lucky. They, because they, they, they were, were freaking. Well, they thought. Here's the problem. You make your money back, that's fine. But they thought they were going to make hundreds of millions of yeah. dollars, but they didn't. Yeah. So it's almost worse. Yeah. I mean, I just, at that point, after a pandemic, you're just waiting to break even. You're just like, I hope I break even. I don't want to lose money on this job. So, <laughs> Sounds right. All right. Well, that'll be good for this week. Till next week. See ya. Bye. You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Hey.